Hi, I'm James Taylor. Hi, I'm Marco Sparks. Wow, Marco. Welcome to the Rosewatch PLT. You sound excited. I am. Thank you. Thank mm. you, James Taylor. Mm. This week on the podcast, we're we'll be discussing season one, episode nine, Lie Together, Die Together. I keep wanting to say live together, die together. And then if you I don't want to lie say live, together. Yeah, then I want to say to live together, together, die alone. And then I'm like, oh, lost. Yeah, we have mm. to go back. No one's living together, dying alone in this episode, which is written by Charlie, K- Charlie Craig and Caitlin Brown. Directed by... Oh, it's not, not a Marlene episode? It is not, no. Uh, okay. They didn't like announce who wrote it until like last week or something. Uh, directed by the, the PLL Godfather, Norman Buckley. Mm-hmm. He's back did, you watch any, did you watch any of Norman on the uh, um, After Buzz? I did not. I have like had no time at all to do my notes. Right on. It did you. I watched a little bit of it. Um, it's interesting. What kind of questions did they ask? Well, so he's their guest. There's like three hosts. When mm-hmm. I watched the Haley Aaron one, there was just another one girl on Haley Aaron, but there's like three hosts and they're just like talking and theorizing. And it was like, maybe every once in a while they'd ask him a question. <laughs> well, it's like, well, he, he was very good about like, what did you think about that? Or, or where would you have mm-hmm. hit it instead? You know, but it's a lot of shots of Norman just kind of like, like, chin on his like hand like listening yeah, yeah. interesting yeah or, or I mean, probably just, like a very practiced listening face. i mean understandable he can't comment yeah. you know uh, anyway so that's what we'll be talking about before we dive into the episode we're, we're moving this forward because uh shit's getting real uh mm-hmm. in case you turn off the end of the episode you may not have heard this but uh in your face yeah as you know we do not do ads on this podcast there's no patreon support if you'd like to support us, you can rate and review us on iTunes or coming soon, soon, soon. We swear. I know we keep saying that, but it's really getting close. Uh, there's another way you can support us, which is called buying our book. We have a book coming out soon called My Name is Trouble. It's a team. Buyerbookandbook.com. Yeah. Uh, My Name is Trouble.com is where you can go to. Well, you can't buy it there yet, but you can learn a little bit about it. There's a synopsis. There's an excerpt. I really, really hope to have a cover soon. That's <laughs> uh, that's what we're waiting on. The cover, the stages of it, I've seen really look cool. Can't wait to share it, but it's not done yet. Uh, so hopefully, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really cross my fingers by Monday. I know I'm gonna just bite my words later on, but that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. So anyway, my name is Trouble.com. Teen murder mystery. If you like PLL, I think you'll like this book. We, we really sweated the details. If nothing else, I feel like you could say that. We really, really tried to get the details right. Mm. So We keep... just had characters hide the money in all the wrong spots. Mm-hmm. We had campus cops who were somehow cops. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our Dana Booker is, is excellent. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> check that out. I think you'll like it. Uh, other piece of news. So obviously next week is the finale. Tour dates. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about our tour dates. Tour the, dates. the Laugh Factory. Um, no, <laughs> not quite a tour, but uh, as <laughs> next week, <laughs> as next week is the finale. Marco is coming down to Los Angeles. We're going to record it not live, but in the same room, which is always you know there's a little extra spark there. Lots so of I mean, just just go listen to our uh, PLL finale episode for that. Um, and then we will be doing a little fan meetup, a little listener meetup. Our third co-host, Alcohol. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He'll be definitely making an appearance later that night at the Angel City Brewery in Los Angeles. 
That's at T16 South Alameda Street in Los Angeles. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well if you have trouble Googling Angel City Brewery for some reason. Uh, 8 p.m. on Friday, May 24th. Be there. We'll, we'll be hanging out there for a while, but the uh, first five people to show up, we will give you a free copy of My Name is Trouble. So get there fast if you want one of those. Which do actually exist. So as, they as do. confused as you are by us talking about lack of cover, there are physical copies in your, what are they called? Hot Little Hands. There you go. That's a saying, right? I'm not crazy. Yes, that's why I've been saying Hot Little Hands. Okay. <laughs> Or you started, I, or if you I got just some, get eyeballs, I, I got some pushback. Hands. I got some pushback from certain friends of the pod who are like, "That's not a saying." I'm like, "Yes, it is." Who? Uh, who? Uh, Mademoiselle's uh, Crystal and Stacy. Well, they're also twenty years younger than us because we're ancient dinosaurs. They're only ten years younger. Wow. Tell it to my back and my knees. Um, yeah, so you'll get to meet Mr. James Taylor in person, um, and I will sell tickets to that and. Uh, yeah, and I know, and I know the magic key to uh, get him to to liven up. It's called gin and tonic. You know, we'll be at a brewery. I don't know if they'll be serving that. That might be a good thing. You know, maybe we just have some beer. Change our venue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a shame because this feels like it'll be a cocktail. Yeah. So, right, a- cool. Angel City Brewery, Friday, May twenty fourth, eight p.m. Uh, unless, I mean, I suppose, like if they like lose their liquor's license tomorrow, we'll have to change it. So, you know, keep an eye on our Twitter. If, if you do plan on showing up. Take a peek at our Twitter, at least, if uh, yeah. there's a massive clusterfuck and we're not going to be there, we'll certainly let you know. I feel like we would have caused that to happen if they lose their liquor license tomorrow. That'd be awesome. Well, then we'd have to replan. There'd be, there'd be at least one person that's like, hey, where the fuck? You know, so. I wish I had that kind of power. I hope Donald Trump's like president forever. Oh, <laughs> shit, he got impeached tomorrow. Mm. Um, okay, cool. So, yeah, us next Friday... That is the 24th, mm-hmm. 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. at the place that you mentioned. Angel City Brewery. Us. Yes. First five Let's people to show up, get free. My name is Trouble Books. Let's yep. dive Which in. may be before we... <laughs> no, them they are advanced anywhere. reader copies, okay? Yeah. So, slight Excuse alterations me. maker. Are you going to Are you going to sign them? I mean, if, if people would like us to sign them, we will. I've always found autographs weird myself, but some people are into that, so it's fine. Cool, cool, cool. All right, man, let's do it. All right. Are we doing it? Let's yeah, do it. Kick us off. All right. So well, do we have any general thoughts on this episode? I have some general oh, thoughts. Oh, go for it, yeah. Uh, I have little character notes here. Um, I feel like, number one, this episode decided that Allison is the same character she was in PLL Season 7. Yeah. Wah, wah, either, wah. either that or... She's real divorced and on pills. I've I've read some interesting takes on Reddit that kind of say like when Taylor showed up, Allie like went to the side, you know. Half that, half Mona. Like like all of this is in Mona's skill set. Like at a certain point it stops being an Allison's skill. Like once Mona gives a shit, well, Allie's it's the Mona like, show. Allie's like teen mom now, you know. Yeah. Or teen mom. Um and her kids aren't even there. But like she's she's mom to the everyone else she's like making yeah. them coffee like several times in this episode oh, i have it in my notes later on but like uh if season two gets picked up i would like them to sign a pledge that you're not going to bury any gays number one number two no scene starts of allison bringing a tray of anything domestic to anybody else ever um i want all i want allison doing is doing that that gesture where she's like could you bring me the check the check yeah um i just but yeah. i don't know i feel like Allie. 
she's so passive now. She's just there to support everyone else. You know, this was her show, and yeah. now she's the character who stands around in group scenes watching shit happen. But I do think she's like, in a weird place because she has like a real jobby job. Like Mona just got fired, obviously, and but Mona will be fine. Like, what would Ali do if she got fired? You know, like Ali kind of needs that job, so she, she can't. Act, she can't be a scamp the way she may want to or what her character would normally be doing allison orasco again come on um but yeah like the the preview stills they released with like taylor's got a gun hashtag like um if you look at all of the perfectionists and the pll's gathered in that dock doing their shit like then look at allison and it's like this is this is not where the pose you want for the star of your show um Haley aaron that's my number two She's so interesting. She plays Taylor in every scene in this episode. Like someone told her to calm down right before the camera started. She knows she's on PLL. Yeah. <laughs> I will not calm down, mom. Yeah. Um, and then I think we should just say it up front. It fucking sucks that Mona suffers immediately. Oh, I've got some notes on that when we get there. Yeah. Or something she's that is there. shitty and wrong but not illegal, and we glossed over all of Ezra's peccadillos. Seven goddamn years of that, yeah. Goddamn, yeah. But like, but also people were worried about Mona, and like that fucking text message thing, which is the one that most is aggravating to me, Mona's going to be fine. I'm surprised Mona didn't blackmail Claire right there. I don't think Mona needs to work. No. Fuck no. She's Mona. In my head, Cannon, she stole most of the Karasimi group money long Yeah, ago. exactly. exactly. I, mean, I know Alex Drake, I think, technically did, but I feel like Mona, she maybe sliced them off the top. I don't know how you could look at it any other way when she was left alone watching that TV thing well, at she, the end of 610. At the end of she, the PLL, she has like a, a bunker in a Paris basement. You know, She's like running yeah, a flower fun. shop or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's not like, that wasn't like her retirement fund that she cashed yeah. in on that. She's I, like, I do find it curious. Shop was really successful, actually. It just wants my, uh, my I do find, I find it very curious the way they're kind of like pulling all the thread off the sweater in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like people's connection to the story. So we'll see if they t- try to undo that or if they're trying to pivot. Well, it's a big thing in episode nine where you're like, all right, so the big drama is all of our characters are going to get kicked out, get kicked out of college. Hopefully, people really like them by episode nine. Yeah. If that doesn't work, then you're fucked. All right, so opening here. We pick up moments after the last episode. We see a car, probably something from the Toyota family of cars, fine uh, cars. Probably, I'm going to guess it's like another Corolla. That's all that's been in this episode. I was just thinking I really want to sit down at some point and like map out the timeline for this whole mm-hmm. season because I think it's been two weeks. Uh, it's, I can't it's say very... for certain, but like, it's definitely been like four days since the fashion show or something. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, within a week, I would mm-hmm. say for sure. Um, but it's yeah, still so this, dead this, week. is it still? Yeah, I guess it would still be fucking dead week. Goddamn. Now they're having another fucking gala party off campus. I for for what? What afternoon? An afternoon gala, first of all. Anyway, so this fine Toyota vehicle is driving down a secluded road at night. We with uh, Jeremy and Caitlin inside. We hear Jeremy say, "I'm not a monster, Kate." And inside, we see that he's driving and pleading his case to Caitlin in the passenger seat, who just looks like she's so scared she's going to pee herself. And he's like, I did it to protect you and your family. And she's like, her face is in just like overdrive of like, oh, shit, what? And she's like, wait, from Nolan? And he's like, 
he got what he deserved, but I can't tell you anything more if you're going back. It's too dangerous. And she's like, what are you asking me to do? Never go home? Because that doesn't sound that bad. And he's like, look, I'm leaving tonight. If you come with me, you'll be safe. And I can tell you everything that I did. I promise. And she's like, Jeremy. He's like, you wanted him gone too, Kate. He gives her a look, like reminding her that she knows this is true. She's kind of rendered speechless. And his eyes go back to the road. He's like, we can leave together or we can say goodbye. Um, this this and Caitlin, accent you're doing here, right? It's, uh, I don't know, somebody else could kind of place the dialect more than I could, but it's something. Is, is it not good? Is this the no, note? It's, it's, no, it's fine. It, is it not Jeremy? I'm trying to do Jeremy. It's close, but I feel like there's a little bit more of like a working class in there, I guess. Oh, okay. You think he's a little more posh? Well, we don't know, you know? Like well, we, I mean, he's... I feel like this dude is just like, his preparation for the role is like staring at like, still images of daniel craig as bond <laughs> this dude poses more I than we, should, I, we I want to say just up front like i believe there was a break between last episode and when they filmed this one like the christmas break there because everyone looks slightly different everyone got a makeover some people look majorly different like i feel like uh jeremy and zach in this episode both look like really different but everyone else looks slightly different he wears a beanie at one point, and it reminded me of those episodes of SVU where suddenly Stabler had a, Stabler had a beanie because they assumed that he was also doubling up of Oz, and I think he had different hair on that. Anyway, well, like there's so, when he wears a beanie later on, you could have told me that was a different actor. Yeah, well, he's, he's just beanie, no and glasses, glasses, and yeah, mm-hmm. maybe some face under there. So yeah, Caitlin has a big exhale, and she like, kind of looks out the window, and that's our that's our credits. Do you think? Uh, do you think we're somewhat ruined by having watched so many episodes of PLL that we're just like, oh look, he's kind of talking around what he did the whole time. So obviously he didn't kill Nolan, and he did something else, and she just thinks he killed Nolan because he thinks she did something. Like, I don't know. Are we just too jaded for that, or is that a case where like the writers need to like up their game because they've done it too before? You know. Well, but also, it's a ten episode season, and he's like the third character. To not to like, to like beat around the bush, like mm-hmm. homicidal, you know. Well, he he like, come out and say this, it. Like we just we know from watching TV that like he's the reason he's talking like this is because we want Caitlin needs to think that he did it, yeah. but he didn't actually do it. Right, right, right. But I mean, like this would mean so much more if like we hadn't had the same shit from like Mason mm-hmm. and others earlier this very season. Like you like, in a ten episode season, I feel like you can do this once. Because this is the whole crux of the episode, right? Like, if he was coming clean with her right now, you know, we wouldn't have hashtag Taylor's got a yeah. gun. Um, so the new shot in the credits is this kind of beautiful rising, like uh, like a crane shot of Caitlin walking out on the dock to meet the approaching boat carrying Jeremy. I think you talked about old Hollywood glamour later in your notes. Old Hollywood glamour definitely needed more speedboats for realsies. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So then after credits, we're at Mona's place. Uh, this is sometime after her dining table fuck session with Mason, who's not around. Mona's dressed again, wearing the same clothes, and has company over. So did she just, like, hit it and kick that dude out? She's like, you were great. I got a shower. Was he really? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, we no, can debate we'll, we'll get to that. style. We'll get but, to uh... that later. Yeah, there's some dialogue about that. But, yeah, she's vanilla. She's back in her same clothes. Uh, she's got her laptop on the kitchen island there. Uh, I can see that Ava and Dylan, who are there too, they've got their hands on this kitchen island. And I'm just wondering, like, you just fucked on that island. Like, are you sure there's no, not like some? Table. No, that was it was that island. 
because the sure table is where her the chest table? the table is where her chessboard is. I thought they fucked next to the chessboard. Are no, you sure you no, don't want to go back and... I trust me. I checked. They were Ooh. they were fucking on the kitchen island, and well, but they some of Mason it? might still be on there. I mean, unless there's a scene where like Dylan puts his hand in something wet and like brings it to his like tongue and licks it, we don't know that they know. I don't think Dylan would do that. That they're who, touching. Who, who, why would anyone do that? But I mean, that's the way in, in like the parlance of TV movies, you'd be like, oh, no, Dylan, don't. But like they don't know that she just fucked on this. I mean, like unless they're just like, huh, did you spray a lot of bleach in here or something? You know, or whatever. I'm just saying, like, I hope she wiped it down. I'm going to take a wet wipe to your whole kitchen when I come over. Just okay. <laughs> not just fucking anyone on my kitchen counter, okay? <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> If you want to find out more about uh, James Taylor's kinks, <laughs> that brewery next Saturday, next Friday, 8 p.m. <laughs> All, All right. right. Continue. I'm screenshotting. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, we see the laptop isn't working. It's now just playing voice analysis complete. Laptop's on the island in the kitchen. Dylan and Ava, as we talked about, Ava was trying to call Caitlin, but getting her voicemail, and we hear like, hey, it's Caitlin. Leave it at the beep. Dylan's like eagerly awaiting the news of Caitlin. Um, and Ava's just like straight to voicemail again. And he's like, did she tell you where she was? And he, she, Ava's like, no. Oh, so yeah, do your like, Jackson Maine again. We haven't done that one in a while. <laughs> all you got to do is call Caitlin. That's all you got to do. Um, and Allison steps into frame, having made coffee for everyone and giving them their mug. The first of two times that did, she will be fucking making coffee or did, tea. Did she put the little fucking mini marshmallows in there too? Like I'm just waiting. Like here's here's the the death knell. It's when she's just like, oh, I put the marshmallows in there. It's just the way my kids like it's it or something like, like that. Mom, did, like, did no. you put nutmeg in there? You can do oh. it yourself, Dylan. Yeah, but you do it better. Have <laughs> you seen the trailer for that movie Ma? That's Allison right here. Yeah. Um. So it's hard to tell. I think there might actually be liquid in those cups, at least in this shot. I don't know. Norbuck weigh in. One, one of these days. We, we if we ever get liquid? somebody on the pod again who will talk to us, we got to ask about two things. Number one, we really want the just the foreign one on what's the deal with the coffee cups. And number two, what's the deal with whether or not you can show a brand? Because I've never gotten, like, I've, I've read various things online that try to explain it, and it seems like no one's got the, the definitive answer there. Like, if you say, for instance, have an Apple laptop, do you have to cover it up because Apple will like sue you or something if you don't? Or do you cover it up because you you haven't gotten their money, so you're not giving them the advertising? Like, so what's the power struggle there? I thought my understanding was you cover it up if you're not going to go the free advertising route, or as long as you your your standards and practices have clear that this is not disparaging. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody I've heard it both me. ways, so yeah, we got to get the word. Um, but also, I just would love for at some point in making of this show, someone's like, let's put some liquid in this thing. I want to get those assholes in that podcast off our fucking backs just once, just once, um, as if we had power. Uh, so, like, there might be liquid in this shot. Who knows? Also, Toyota. I mean, let's just say, counterpoint to your issue. I I obviously, wanna, Toyota, I like, I, I want to say there's a thing in the credits that says something it, about promotional considerations or something like that. Since there were two executives who cameoed in this episode by name, I wonder if they were just like taking him aside and be like, hey, Norman, can we get some more loving shots of the fine family of Toyota cars? <laughs> so Mona's like, I get that we want Caitlin with us when we take the proof to Claire, but we can't wait for her. And there's a knock on the door. Everyone looks at each other like, 
um, Allison's like, that must be Taylor. So everyone's a little uneasy about this. So Allison only seems to notice it as she goes over the door and is like about to like open it and sees the looks on their faces. And she's like, I told you, we can trust her. And I love her. Am I crazy? Yeah, she definitely loves her. Am I crazy or did the whole we can't trust Taylor thing just kind of like people started saying it until it was true? Yeah. Like I'm never quite sure what the inciting thing was where they're like, we can't trust her because of Mona. Just Mona doesn't trust her. Yeah. Yeah. I think just because. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I don't know that Mona's wrong. Although Mona does have a. She may not be wrong, but it seems like Taylor had yet. I mean, obviously in this episode, she's a little unhinged, but it seems like she had yet to do something definitively like, oh, you got to watch out for. I guess the RV thing is what they're kind of pinning that on. I can't say that, that you she, can trust. She didn't say Taylor, that she had the RV till later, and so that's shady. Or the didn't confess that she has a supercomputer embedded in her RV. Yeah, which for some reason is a standing computer, which just seems like it would suck. You're already in an RV. Just wheel a chair over. Um, so Allison opens the door and says, "Hey," and it's kind of interesting. I mean, like what I really like about this episode is that it's the same sets that we've seen for the most part in a lot of these things. And Norman is very interesting about like, let's put the camera in a different place than we've ever seen it before in eight episodes. Cause like mm-hmm. we're in the kitchen. Like we're not like looking at the kitchen in the background. We're in the fucking kitchen. So it's like Allison can see Taylor and then Taylor has to step in and like look to her left to see everyone. It's, it's, I don't know. It's more interesting and real. So she steps inside, she looks around at all the gathered parties and she's like, what's up bitches. You know, is that what she says? That's exactly what she says. Um, she especially seems to see Dylan and comes up to him first. He smirks a little. Obviously, they've known each other. They're seemingly fond of each other. And she's like, sorry it took so long to reconnect. And he shrugs. And he's like, you've been busy. And she kind of half laughs at that. Ava, meanwhile, is just like standing there, quiet, waiting for it. Why? I didn't understand this interaction between Dylan and Taylor here. Have they Should ever? Sp- oh, it's not Caitlin because Caitlin's not there. But But as far as I can tell, they've never spoken before. Yeah, and they have no real reason to speak ever. Like, you know, like she knows Caitlin. She has a connection to Ava through Nolan. Dylan is just—I mean, maybe she'd heard about Dylan from Nolan or something. Well, we don't know how the hell Dylan met Nolan. Yeah, but like, I mean, seemingly it was at school because Dylan lives somewhere else. Maybe, so, yeah, maybe like he was her student at some point. I don't know. It was just weird. Like it's like. Oh, they're going to have a moment, but it's like, do they even know each other? If she, well, presumably she would have had to, I kept asking the last week before, like, was she a teacher at the school? She would have fucking had to be. She had a house on campus, right? Well, they said at some point that she used to like have Allie's job. So. Okay. So there you go. She was a TA for. Or yeah, maybe not her exact job, but like, yeah, she's a professor. I believe they stated that at some point in the past. Um. Yeah, so the Dylan thing here, it's almost like he's the stand-in for Caitlin. Caitlin, who, like, every time the perfs have actually talked about Taylor, which has been rare, Caitlin's been the one who's like, oh, 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 we grew up together-ish. Anyway, so Taylor's just like, Ava, hi, I'm Taylor. So there's obviously a lot of these two need to talk about. Ava kind of rolls her shoulders a little bit. She's like, I know, hi. And Taylor's like, now's not the right time, but there are some things that I need to tell you. Loads of things that Nolan would want you to know. So Mona seems like displeased of all of this. Like her Taylor Dar is just going off. Um, but she pulls a flash drive with the evidence out of her laptop with like a level of disdain. I mean, she's she's straight up Varys, like warning people about Daenerys here, right? Like, <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, Allison. 
as I get burned alive. But Mona like thrusts out her hand with the flashlight in it, and Taylor sees the not exactly pleased look on Mona's face, and she takes the memory stick. Taylor's like, well, let's get this over with so we can get Dana off your backs, and I can get back to why I came home. So we like push in tighter on Taylor, and she clarifies in case there's any doubt. She says, to figure out who killed my brother. So she says this while like giving Ava a very serious, unblinking look, and we see Ava returning with a very serious, unblinking look and kind. And there's Dylan's classic, almost non-reaction. Dylan's like, I'm here. Yeah, seriously. All you got to do is know that I'm here. <laughs> yeah, if Jackson Maine played cello, which is a lot less sexy. Sorry. Sorry, cellist. Um, that's that's who he'd be. Uh, then a two-shot with Alice and Amona as they kind of like share a glance, which I think at least tells us they're probably not the killers. I feel like Alice and Amona share a lot of I mean, the, the, glances. The Taylor Ava thing where she's talking about you know figure out who killed my brother and they're just staring right at each other i mean if this isn't yeah. foreshadowing i mean it's pretty good misdirection because it's subtle enough like they've never pointed at ava but mm-hmm. they've there's plenty for the you know seemingly thinks they're clever viewer to say "Ooh, maybe it's ava mm-hmm. anyway it's yeah we're gonna cut the claire hotchkiss's study it's the next day uh, we're looking at uh, her laptop, which is playing the audio file titled Dana Booker Confession. That's uh, an audio player, not iTunes. Uh, we also see the only other folders visible on the computer, Beacon Guard and Hotchkiss Holdings. Uh, we're hearing Dana Booker speak on the file. Dana's saying, it's real if I say it's real. You tell me the truth about where your friends were the night Nolan was killed, and this becomes your truth. Uh, we see Taylor's here listening to this. Mona and Allison are standing by each other. Ava and Dylan are here, too. Ava can barely contain her smile at all this. I wonder where... Oh, yeah, we know where Caitlin is. That's right. I was going to say, where has she been? Where is Caitlin? It's the next day. Is she. I think she had to walk back to town. Uh, Which is hilarious to yeah. me. Okay. Sorry, Kate. I've got to drop you off outside of town. I know that's rather shitty and impolite. I'm writing you an apology note as we speak. Being a bit of a knob. A bell in. <laughs> so then we hear Dylan on the recording say, just like that, you'd, just like that, you'd manufacture evidence for me. And Dana says, if it gets me what I need. And then we kind of pan up to the laptop playing the recording that Claire Hotchkiss, she's standing there, putting her hands in her pocket pockets. And she says, I've heard enough. Thank you for sharing this with me. And we see Alice and Mona thinking they're about to get medals or something. And then Claire says, I'm relieved to know that I hired the right person to find out who killed my son. Record scratch. Did you, Claire? Did you? Uh, everyone slowly is just like, wait, what? Uh, and Claire says, she's following my instructions, no matter what the cost. And Dylan's like, Mrs. H, you can't really think we did it. Claire says, the proof is out there and Dana Booker will find it. Don't call me Mrs. H. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Taylor is horrified. She's like, Mom, no one in this room killed Nolan except for Ava. Uh, these are people we can trust. And Dana's making their lives miserable. And Claire's just like, they were all at Thorn Hall that night, Taylor. And they all lied about it, including Allison. And Ava and Dylan kind of look at each other like, oh. Allison kind of just like does this little head duck and Claire says, you don't think that's suspicious? Stay out of Dana Booker's way. And Taylor says, no way that's happening. Uh, she's also realizing how much they've kind of messed up coming here to her mom. Claire's phone starts ringing. Claire steps over to answer it. And just kind of casually displaying her disregard for these dumbos. And Claire says, one moment, Paula. I'm stepping out. And then as she starts to walk out, she kind of dips the phone lower to address her guest. And she says, everyone but Allison may leave. And Allison's like, shit, this is serious. Uh, no. I wasn't sobered up to realize that. 
Yeah, Claire steps out of her home office to lead the group to commiserate over how dumb this plan was. And Ava says, I'd give us an A for effort. Mona's like, how dare you? No, she's like, keep A out of it. And Allison's face is just like, fuck, just fuck. Uh, Dylan gets a text. He fishes his phone out of his pocket and checks it. He says, it's the ethics committee. They want to see me now. That was fast. Uh, we kind of play off everyone's oh no reactions. And Dylan says, Dana must have already ratted me out. And they all ponder that. I really wanted someone in this scene to be like mom you understand dana booker is a fucking moron all she's doing is harassing people instead of doing her goddamn job like she's not investigating the actual murder at all i'm not like like pro or con of it but here's what's interesting too is in this scene in the scene that follows it's not like they're ever like here's why i lie to protect my students yeah (laughs) ali kind of gets off easy on that one i mean i I mean, the, the the only way for Allie to play it is to just bullheadedly insist that she's telling the truth. Like, they all just need to stick to their fucking story. You know? Allison's like, and be like, you've got no proof that we're lying. Fuck you. Allison's like, look, I'm on a lot of prescriptions. Some mine, some belong to other people. What day is it again? How did I get in this room? Exterior shot of Hotchkiss Manor. Which is pretty much the same one we've seen a couple, uh, a couple times now where it's like the gardeners working out front. Um I love that this location, they just went and got a bunch of B-roll and just like saved it up. Um, some time has passed. Everyone's been kicked out. We're back in Claire's study. Allison's sitting on the, I don't know what you call this, the guest's side of the desk waiting for her moment with Claire. But Claire is like a busy lady, like doing power moves, like having meetings with other people in front of Allison. In this case, she's having a conversation with Lisa Reidenhauer from Warner Horizon. And Claire says to Lisa, I'll see you this afternoon, Lisa, and I do hope that you and Mr. Reidenhauer get to actually enjoy the gala, because uh, our show in this pickup. <laughs> I can only on assume that. that like a lot of like executives are visiting the set during this episode or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the question then is like, <clears throat> who's the? And, and this isn't like a diss, because I mean, like, fuck yeah, I would do this if I could. But like, who's the Marlene cameo next week? Is it her kids? Is it her mom? I mean, it could be her. Um, could be her. I, I feel like she did it the one. T- she did it the one time. I feel like, and and it was in the finale, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah she so. did it one time. I mean, her kids have been a couple times. I mean, like, I'm just curious. She does it like usually in finales or big yeah. episodes. This doesn't feel big enough. No, the weird one is Jen Gerstenblatt, just because she's by name been referenced yeah. in like PO episode. But so Lisa turns to leave without saying a word, um, which, again, we know why in the world of TV, but like it's odd as fuck in real life. I'm just like, I'm just I don't know. Like, hey, guys, when you come to meet with us, if you do next Friday, I hope to meet all of you and then just turn around and absolutely Irish goodbye you. Um, After I said your name. Yeah. So especially with Allison, who's like sitting there observing this, like ready to dish up some mood because she does some mood looks in this. And Claire and ADR is like, please close the door. I don't know why that's 80 yard or why that line was like super important. It's your house. There were like three or, there were three or four lines late in the episode where I could not tell who's talking because it was well, an 80 yard line. I glossed over when the credits were playing. I thought this was a Marlene episode because there's a lot of characters together who are just like spouting out lines that are important to dialogue, less important to the characters themselves. And there's an action sequence where they're all present, but not necessarily important to. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, a lot of like run or do this or no, no, or, or he's alive. And it's like, I always find in those episodes of PLL, it's a little tricky to find out who's saying what, because of the way it's recorded. Yeah. Anyway. So it's just two of them now. Claire prices Allison sitting there and Claire's like, 
Whose idea was it to entrap my head of security? And why was my daughter involved? Also, this is the episode where Kelly Rutherford gets to show up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So Allison ponders how to answer this before responding, and she says, she wants to find out who killed Nolan. That's why Taylor came back. And she knows that Dana Booker's on the wrong track. So Claire sits behind the desk now, and she's like, I appreciate that my daughter is home because of you. And I want to trust you, Allison. But if you're lying to protect your students, I can't. Also, I know your line to protect your students. So, um, which I don't know why professor Granger would still keep this person under their wing. Cause th- this is a lot yeah. of bullshit. The TA, but Allison's like, they're good people. Um, despite the evidence. And Claire's like, <laughs> I barely know them, but yeah. yeah seriously. And Claire's like, yes, well, good people make bad mistakes. And while they're trying to dig themselves out of a hole, that hole gets deeper and darker hole. Um, Allison's just like defiantly listening to this, um, serving up mood. Claire's just like, my daughter's not as strong as you think she is. And I don't want her going down into that hole. And Allison's like, Taylor's stronger than you give her credit for. Not that I really know from like the three conversations we had and the night she slept on my couch. I really want Allie to be like, your daughter's like 27 or something, (laughs) right? Like, yeah. Like she's in her mid twenties, at least it would seem so like she's a unless she's in like a conservatorship or something like she can do what she wants well again it's it's questionable i don't exactly know how old allison is and allison's like tried to force herself by my math she should be at least 26 okay she tried to force herself into like this like mama bird or mentor role for taylor taylor might have surpassed her and just like weird shit in her past i don't know well it's she hasn't done prison time but anyway Claire's like, no, she's not. There are things you don't know, Allison. And Allison's like, oh. Claire's like, don't bring her into your mess. And so Allison's like, well, I absolutely will now. So time for another one of our favorite scenes, the Dylan Dorm apartment scene. We're watching yeah. Dylan walk in uh, kind of through the cutouts in the wall there that separate the living room from the bedroom. We see him walking in the door. He exhales, exhales, all right, as uh, Andrew. He does excel. Yeah. Andrew comes around uh, out from the bedroom. He's got a new haircut. Mm-hmm. No longer doing like the weird, like, like I don't know, cool guy bangs thing anymore. But devouring his lip like three times as much. Yeah. So he sees his boyfriend in his home and he says, how'd it go? Dylan hangs up his coat and says, they didn't tell me, but they said I should call my parents because I'll probably be going home. So they did tell you something. They told you something. And Andrew's just like, I'm sorry. He comes closer to comfort Dylan. Uh, Andrew doesn't seem bothered at all that Dylan did this and didn't tell him about it for some significant portion of time. It's like that part of him that should get upset about those things, especially considering Dylan's history has just been like Stepford erased. He's just like, no, I don't mind this time. Uh, so Dylan's just like, I did it to myself. I did it to myself. And uh, I think the way he talks every other word, uh, but myself is a struggle to grasp. Yeah. I, I, I swear like when I was watching it, I thought he just said mm, myself. I was like, what? <laughs> and he says, if the dude kicked me out, it's on my record. So other schools will know you're going to stay with me forever. Will it? Like, is there some sort of record that travels here around going to school? This will go on your permanent record. Yeah. Uh, see the back of Andrew's head and it's moving. So clearly he's talking and yet there's ADR. Uh, Andrew says, uh, when you told me you cheated, you already regretted it. And it can't be defined by one mistake. I guess they Wait. need to like clarify that. But what he actually says, what we actually see Andrew Villarreal say is, he can't be defined by one mistake. 
The line that they squeezed in later was, when you told me you cheated, you already regretted it. And is that the way in which somebody in the editing suite was like, oh, remember those episodes where like they were split up because he was lying and not telling them the truth? What, what, why are we not concerned about that now? Yeah. I mean, is this, is this the loophole? If you're just like, listen, in whatever context, I cheated, but I regret it. I was thinking of you know. the whole time. No, thinking of you the whole time. Actually, that's a lie, Andrew. I was definitely thinking about Nolan. Uh, no, so Dylan starts moving around. He's kind of really feeling his own pity party, and he says, "Unless you cheat at BHU, right?" Uh, as you're saying, as, as mind-boggling as this relationship is, Dylan has no concept of or concern for Andrew that you know this might be hard for him to hear that a significant other is about to get kicked out of school. No, no it's fucking garbage. Unless, unless he's more bummed that Andrew will inherit the dorm apartment. I don't know. Also. We saw the dorm. I, I know I brought this up in the pilot. We saw the dorm apartment when he fucked Nolan, and that was a week before Andrew moved in. Andrew has now been living there for presumably nigh a year. Nothing has changed. No. Like Andrew has no influence upon this apartment because this isn't a real relationship. It's like written no. as though these two have been together for a year. Yeah, yeah. Like seemingly Andrew has no interest, no taste, no nothing. no no life. Somebody likes, likes mommy dearest. He's only been let <laughs> out of this. Uh, he's only gotten let out of this scene like twice in nine episodes, or this uh, set twice in nine episodes. What was the second time? Uh, he was in the student Both union once. Student, Both times in the student union, right? Oh well, no. The other time is this episode. He's at the uh, oh, it's the party. Yeah, the pilot. Okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah, okay. Three oh, yeah. times. Yeah, he was at the party. He's in the student union, and then he's at the gala. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm not even thinking about this episode. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. cool. So, yeah, you're saying you're, you're surprised. Uh, or wait, uh, when would you go? And he says, uh, Dylan says, Claire has the final vote on the committee, but she's busy with the gala, so I have at least a day. And, like, why doesn't she make the time to vote? Like, seemingly she hates this guy. Mm-hmm. Or, or send just, a proxy. Send a proxy. Or just, like, you're Claire Hotchkiss. Like, you, your word is law at this college. Yeah. Like, like suddenly we care about process, yeah. The whole, I mean, the whole committee is a joke. If 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 like half of them had voted, like yeah, he can stay. If she votes no, they're gonna change their vote. Yeah. So Andrew comes closer. and He's like, "Well, let's not waste a minute then." He's like, "Yeah," and they do some smooches. And then Dylan pulls Andrew into the bedroom for some uh, bad ruling from the from the university ethics committee. Fucking, isn't me or have like nine of their scenes ended this way? It seems like they have like two scenes. There's either the scene where Dylan is being shady and Andrew's upset. Or there's a scene where don't you have to be somewhere? I've got 20 minutes. Oh, time to get fucking. It's like that's the only two things that happen with them. I don't know if they've ever. I know we, we started one episode where like Dylan was having bad dreams and they were like shirtless in bed together. I know they've kissed before. I want to. And maybe did they dance at the one where andrew came back and the... there's definitely been several times where it's like don't you have somewhere to be not for 20 minutes or whatever and it seems like they a lot of their scenes in that way i know there was the one where it's like hey the sign of the university family got killed we got three days of no class uh-huh. we're spending yeah. fucking and the next time we see dylan he's just like it's like seeming like 20 minutes later he's <laughs> in the student union he's good like i he's done <laughs> he's like i like coming and then i like getting on with my life but i feel like this is the first episode where we actually got to have them express their sexuality. Not, I don't not just know. Like, I, don't like know. I feel like we've seen it before. Huh? I feel like they fight more or lie to each other more than they actually like fuck. 
I mean, I, you may be more explicit in this episode, but I feel like a lot of their scenes that with the, with end with them jumping into bed. I don't know. Maybe maybe Andrew's like lip biting. It's just like supposed to read for like <laughs> code act of sexual life. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Claire and Taylor, they're in Claire's home office again, which, man, they must have spent <laughs> two days filming in this this office. Claire's home office, which they got a lot of use out of. Uh, Taylor's sitting on a chair, like a little arranged seating area to the side of the desk. She's like facing backwards, looking at her mom, who's like standing in front of the desk. This is a lot of Kelly Rutherford's scenes. It's like her standing, and then she goes and has a seat when it's time to emphasize a point. But she's like. The nice thing about these scenes is that seemingly Taylor is the only character on the show who's allowed to like talk back to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. In, In a real way, like in a way that like doesn't involve. Maybe not total honesty, but some truth. Yeah. You know, like Alice in a way that it doesn't like, seem like she's avoiding a topic because of the plot. Yeah. Well, it's like they're doing a good job. While it's not totally spelled out and it doesn't feel real, as like say like a Veronica and Spencer scene, I do believe that they are mother and daughter. Yeah. Yeah. They're just weird mother and daughter. Anyway, so Taylor's like, Mom, you've been playing this gala for months. Why would you want to say we're co chairing it? And Claire's like, Because you're my daughter. And I don't want you thinking that I'm capitalizing on what happened to you, though I am. Taylor's like, you're lying. This is about you trying to keep me busy so I won't get in Dana Booker's way. She kind of turns turns away like she's pouting over this. And Claire's like, you're right. So Claire comes over and she sits on the couch near the chair Taylor's in so she can get real with her. And she's just like, I don't want you obsessing over who killed your brother. Taylor like leans in, like ready to get real with her mom now. And she's like, mom, what happened before? After dad was killed, it's not going to happen again. Claire's like, because I won't let it. We're doing this together. And she reaches over and takes Taylor's hand. She's like, I'll see you at the venue at one. And then Claire gets up and leaves. And we're like, left with Taylor in profile. Like, not sure what she's thinking. I um, I went through most of this episode thinking, in the first watch, thinking like, my God, they're filming Taylor in such an interesting way. Um, the and then I started really thinking. What's that? The lighting in this episode. Well, no, just the, the way they're. Particularly. The way they're framing her. And then I started to think, well, a lot of the chunks that I'm thinking of are like RV scenes where I guess there maybe just theoretically wasn't yeah. a whole lot of room to put the camera. <laughs> I mean, she's a Hitchcock blonde. The she show is. knows what to do with her. Yeah. The, there, one of the profile, there's like yeah. a nice wide shot at the start of the scene with the light coming through, kind of kissing the back of uh, Claire's hair and kind of like highlighting Taylor there. Like, I don't know. I almost wish these scenes we're allowed to breathe a little more in the wide shots. It seems like yeah. with most, you know, non like super, super, you know, fancy bands TV, you get the shot reverse shot, like one way or another, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, like some of these wide shots are actually really impressively composed. Like I, I think the combo of Norbuck and, uh, and Larry Reedman is really interesting. And I, I want to say like Norbuck has mentioned on like uh, social media and probably on this very podcast that like, they collaborate really well together, especially being up in Portland this time. But like, I almost wish there were, like you said, like maybe less compacted scenes, like let the show breathe a little bit and not feel exactly the same as PLL. Like let mm. the visuals speak a little bit more. Cause these guys can fucking do it. Yeah. I mean, you gotta figure there's certain, you know, network mandates and whatnot. Yeah. I imagine it's one of those things where if they just shot like a scene in, in like one wide take or something, like they'd get a lot of notes <laughs> when people yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. dailies. You know? Well, but also, let me ask you a question about this wide take that you want to do. <laughs> Is there a Toyota in the scene? I, I hope so. <laughs> well, if there's not a Toyota. Toyota's there. just going to drive through the wall. 
Take the fucking Kool-Aid, man. Oh, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. This has got to be a set, right? The the, the uh, office? Yeah. yeah. I feel like, I don't I know, don't... the lighting seems extra good in this set. Like, they really got that, like, it's probably, like, 9 or 10 a.m. look, you know, where it's, like, the low angle of the light coming in. Well, minus, obviously, the outside scenes. The only place in here that I assume is a location is probably the gala. At least the outside. I think the inside is just a soundstage, but yeah. You think it's a soundstage in the, in the gala? It could I think be, so. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's so big and there's so many fucking pillars. I would have thought like a soundstage, they wouldn't have needed so many pillars. I don't know. It had that kind of weird, like, this is not a perfect location vibe to it. But we I, I just it figured it was a soundstage with like some red curtains hung up and whatnot and some like <laughs> scaffolding. Could be. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting that these are. These are the the episode with like the most, I don't know. It's very it's it's not jarring per se. I think they do a good job of it, but it is kind of jarring when there's so many sets and then there's like Dylan's professor's office, which has a clear window, or Caitlin's Senate interview, which has a clear window. Anyway, all right. So time for student union scene. Ava and Dylan are walking in, catching each other up on whatever. Ava says, I just left their history class and Caitlin wasn't there. Oh, so they do attend more than one class. That's cool. Uh, Dylan <laughs> says, well, Andrew had to run an errand before our you're never going to see me again date. That was a date, huh? Uh, so if we want to go to Caitlin's, we should check on her. You know, we haven't no, no, seen they're Allie. They're going to have. They're going to. Oh, they're going to have. Okay. Yeah. The uh, Which is going to be spent before, the exact okay. same way. But yeah. Which, I mean, if you fuck enough, you could call it a date. Is there food? We haven't what seen... makes a date? I don't know. We haven't seen Allie teach a class since what, like episode three? No. Is it still two? The one where like Mason sat in like Nolan's seat and gave a freak out. Was that two? Uh, It was probably three. Can't say for certain, but it's been a while. Yeah. Because two, he showed up and he was crying and class was canceled. Yeah. So it's probably three. But yeah, like I wonder if they just don't have that location or whatever university that was. Mm hmm. So anyway, before they can uh, kind of get into that shit, here comes Dana Booker in a rush. She's kind of zoning right in on these two. You described her as shitty happy. Okay. She's shitty happy. Yeah. Yeah. Big smug look on her face. And she comes up to them and says, thank you for playing that tape for Claire. She knows now more than ever what I'm willing to do to catch her son's killer. She actually gave me a raise and I'm more inspired than ever to prove that one or all of you had something to do with Nolan's death. And Dylan just turns to her and he's like, let's go. And he starts to to lead Ava to walk around Dana and keep going. And then Dana kind of cuts her off. Uh, first, she cuts off Dylan. She says, is Ava helping you pack? Shitty. And then to Ava, she's like, not so fast. And the two of them stop. And she kind of turns to face them, ready to take their medicine for her. I don't know why they're not just like, fuck off, you annoying lady. Like, you keep, keep walking. Like, yeah. This isn't high school. You can say that. Maybe this show should have been in high school. I don't know how she doesn't know about the money yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just noticed that you paid your last installment of this semester's tuition again in cash. And he was like, yeah, so what? But she's like, no poker face at all. You know? And mm-hmm. Dana says, you haven't left the campus for days. So I know you're hiding your stash of stolen money close by. It's only a matter of time until I find it. And I'll have all the proof I need to get you kicked out of here. Why would that get her kicked out of here? Unclear. But is there some like student ethics policy about 
not rolling around with like shit tons of cash in a bag? Well, part of me thought, okay, so it's like if I take away, never mind the legal issues. If I take away the money, you can't pay for class anymore. And it's like, well, she has at least the end of the semester. You just admitted she paid for it. I mean, her money is green, right? It's good. But like, didn't she go to Caitlin's yesterday? That's off campus. Well, like what authority does she have to take the money? Other than yeah. like finders keepers authority or something, you know, like yeah, yeah. Ava could like break into her office and take it back and be like, "Fuck you, prove it." Oh, I wish. Yeah, I mean, you need you need money. Like, what? You're not a real cop, Dana. What are you gonna do about it? The show is just like it's like take it as read. She is a real cop, <laughs> but she isn't, and it's maddening. In the sovereign state of BHU. Yeah. <laughs> it's the show wants to play with certain tropes, but they haven't created like a setting and a situation that for those tropes to make any sense at all. So on Headcanon, we once covered a, a brilliant movie, a Criterion classic called Vampire Academy. Oh, yeah. As an educational institution, that place made more sense than BHU. It really did. There were rules, you know, there were consequences. There were rules. And like they told us the rules and then they followed the rules. And when things got broken, like we fucking understood why. It it wouldn't have been that hard at some point, some line about like Dana Booker, like BHU has its own police force. And Dana Booker, like, you know, like anything she says goes like Claire is like she's an extension of my will, you know. Or something like whatever, like make it clear that like they can't even like, you know, give her a dirty look or they could get in trouble. Here's how you get around it. If you want it, if you want to be realistic and um, I like how Norman, who gets name checked in this episode a lot because we like Norman so much, has he's upgraded it from dream logic to surreal logic. (laughs) But uh, like in high school, not our high school, I don't think, but um, in other high schools I've been to, you have. You have the campus cop. Yeah, you have the campus cop. So it'd be one thing if it was just like Beacon Heights has like a couple police officers who were just it's they're just assigned to the college. You know, I mean, like if that was her thing, uh, maybe. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just better if she's just played as like I'm a former FBI agent who's greedy as fuck. It would almost be better if like she were the dean or something, because then it's like. The dean, well, you know, piss off the dean. Cute, and, run- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or an all ages frat slash a sorority. I don't know. So anyway, Dana fucks off. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, not yet. No. Um, first, uh, as uh, she's saying all this to Ava, Dylan kind of has this look on his face. Like he's just realized something because he's heard about the money. And Ava turns and looks past him, kind of like silently asking him. And he kind of like nods his head. Um all of which Booker picks up on no poker face at all from Ava. And she's like, or Dana's like, so you're still keeping secrets. Interesting. She turns and fucks off. Like, come on, Ava. You got to be a little slicker than that. Seriously. And Hotch- So you said Hotchkiss Manor. I think you mean like uh, uh, the mom mansion there, Claire's house. Well, she did go to Hotchkiss Manor. Okay. Well, that, yeah. Hotchkiss Manor may or you may not be. Me- it might be on campus. Who knows? But Claire's place is not on campus. Claire's place? It's Hodges Manor. Claire's place is not, or I'm sorry, Caitlin's place. Caitlin's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Caitlin, the the senator, does not live on campus. I would be shocked if Claire does. By the way, Caitlin's mom, still no name. No, no, she doesn't have a name. Why is that? What the fuck is that about? (laughs) I mean, I feel like, I mean, you watched. Oh, fuck it. He's not even 
I was gonna say you watched PLO episode five recently, but like he appears in the pilot. Peter has a name like right away, right? Uh huh. And, and like Peter, and a hell of a character too. Hell yeah, he does. Um, what was the game they play in the pilot? Uh, oh, I can't remember what it was called. Winners or losers or whatever. Like, yeah. Like it was like like blue blood one outspinship or something like that. <laughs> Seriously, um, your vodka soda, but like. Uh, like, I feel like at some point they're like, well, we're not going to be able to get Nolan North. He's like the more, I don't know, whatever parent. But he still has a fucking name. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So once Booker's gone, Dylan comes over to Ava and he's like, you know, you can trust us, right? All you got to do is trust me uh, with whatever she was talking about. And Ava kind of sighs like she's not only carrying the world's heavier burden on her very, you call them fashionable shoulders, sure. Uh, but Here. that. Uh, yeah, he also just doesn't understand. Yeah, she doesn't look too bad here. When 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 Sophie when they dress Sophia Corson like a normal person, she looks amazing. There is an epidemic of weird poofy shoulders going on in Portland. Yeah. That's all I know. Serious. I like to hear from some of the Portland people, like what the fuck is happening with your formal wear? It's it's, it's out of control. It's crazy. Um, so they both get yeah, texts. They uh, they do this weird thing where they check their phones. And it's a nice shot of like. They both hold their phones out and like one's upside down, one's right side up. And it's the same text from Caitlin says, need to see you now. And Dylan's like, it's Caitlin. And Ava says, need to see you now. And they share a significant look. What if he really was like Southern? Like what if he was? I mean, think he's from like Idaho or something, right? By the way, we're like seven minutes in this episode. It's been almost an hour. <laughs> so people should imagine the finale, you guys. Yeah. Um, like 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 if like Sam Elliott showed up as like his dad that he killed, but he's not really dead. You missed boar. Um, Sam Elliott would be quite the get. It'd be quite the get. I was thinking today. I don't know why I was I was randomly at the gym thinking about like stars that like PLL could get to appear in episodes. Anyway, that's another story. At Caitlin's place in her living room, um, we're hovering around that round table behind the couch again, where Caitlin's like sitting and she's freaked out by the previous night's events. She's called in all the bannermen. Um, Ava's sitting there with Caitlin. Dylan and Allison are standing nearby, a little farther away. There's Taylor and Mona. I think the blocking is interesting. This is also Caitlin's when they place. do. This is Caitlin's place. Yeah, okay. it's her living room. That one living room set that we see. Though we do see the kind of where the door is. This kind of reminded me very much of the Hastings living room, in the sense where we get an idea that there's a door down that hallway. You don't mm-hmm. even see it, but it's there. Um, but like the way they would cut to people during significant moments, I thought was interesting. So it's like we're in orbit of how close personally they are to Caitlin or whatever. So Caitlin's she overcome and she's like, he wouldn't say it out loud, but I, I think he was making a confession. So Taylor has no time for this histrionic. She's just like, I know you're upset, but what did he say exactly? And Taylor's just like, is this one of those things where it's a penultimate episode and it seems like he's confessing to something, but he never actually said it? Is that what you're telling me? Because Taylor's been through this rigmarole before mm-hmm. or she's seen it before she's uh she watched PLL. yeah caitlin's like that he did it to protect me and my family it was too dangerous for me to know anything more unless i went away with him he thought i wanted nolan dead and allison mona like share a look across the room and caitlin continues with thinking back he said he was willing to do something about it but i thought i meant i thought he meant like talk to him or scare him so Caitlin turns to Ava, who's really overcome listening to all this, and she turns to Ava and she says, uh, I'm so sorry if I'm in any way responsible for Nolan's death. You have to know. And reminder. Shouldn't, shouldn't she have turned to Taylor first? Well, so they're really playing up the fact that 
Ava and Caitlin had a heart to heart in the previous episode. So like, like this is her emotional support Ava throughout all of this. Yeah, I guess. I don't uh, know. It's just like, if I'm going to apologize to someone for causing someone else's death, like doesn't sister rank over girlfriend? I don't know. I'm just saying, if you ever have to apologize for causing someone else's death, can I just be a fly on the wall? I mean, unless you're the one who died. Oh shit. Um, so, but also <laughs> that, that scene will just go down like my bad. Gosh, who would you even be talking to? <laughs> I don't know. You like the me. like a mirror. Hey, mm. <laughs> hey, James in the mirror. Sorry, I did that. Whoopsie doopsie. That was my bad. I guess with the podcast, I'll just pretend to be him. No, no, no. <laughs> um, that should be hard. So, just a reminder again that no one was killed via Caitlin's hypothetical plan for his death. Uh-huh. So, because so, they've sorry. Heard it. If I was any irresponsible. So cutting her off, Taylor's like, so you think he, he was confessing to killing Nolan? Gan's like, I don't want to believe it, but I don't know what else it could be. Taylor's like, so how did you leave it with him? I like how Taylor's like, give me the fucking facts, please. Less tears. Caitlin's like, I told him I loved him, but I couldn't go with him. And Taylor even harder, wanting those facts. He's like, where is he now? Like, there's something great about Haley Aaron's voice. Like, it's not, it's not soft. Like, she's adorable, but, like, she has a very tough voice. Um, she's got a few different gears, as they say. Yeah, she's got some gears. She's authoritative. Caitlin's like, he dropped me off outside of town. It took me three <laughs> hours to walk home. It was <laughs> shitty. She's like, I think... That's, that's why it took me so long to come back. I've been walking all night. I have blisters <laughs> I on my feet. I, I was wearing heels. I could have Ubered. I have a phone. Yeah. Anyway. She's like, I think, I think he's heading into the city, which I guess would be Portland. I guess, yeah. Well, I need some voodoo donuts before I leave town. Uh, overrated. Um, yeah. That's that a, that's a goddamn like 40-minute wait to get. It, it's just donuts, people. When we went the one time, the fucker like right in front of us who held the cardboard sign saying like, you can buy my spot yeah. just here. And then like when he got up to the thing, like nobody bought his spot. <laughs> so he's like, fuck. And he just threw his sign down and walked away. Yeah, his and, like, fucking face, yeah. <laughs> also the fucking jorts. Fucking shorts of Portland. Um, so Allison's like, I know we all want this to be over, but we need proof, real proof. Trust me, I've been down this road. Um, and Mona's like, now that we have a suspect, and Taylor's like, I'll use Beacon Guard to track Jeremy the night my brother was killed. And look at Ava's face. He's like, hmm. So Taylor says, and if Caitlin's right, I'll find a way to prove it today. So Ava goes to comfort Caitlin, and she's just like, Caitlin, we're here for you. Dylan leans in, joining the chorus, and he's like, we'll figure this out. I promise. Or really what he says is, we'll figure it out. We need some um, Caitlin's becoming more resolute, and she's just like, there's no way to make this better. I just want to find out the truth. And Allison like rubs her shoulder. Ava lowers her eyes, and Dylan, I don't know, non-expression. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Present. Uh, Allison glances over at Mona, or Taylor, her girlfriend's. Side by side, Mona kind of glanced over at Taylor, who looks like she's ready to, like, Dracarys the whole fucking town. Uh, I would think if there's any kind of restructuring in season two, you just bump up Taylor so hard. I'm really trying to to hold my thoughts on that till next episode at the least. Taylor, some Zoe. Yeah, yeah. So after commercial, we're in Ava's room. She just sets that open leather duffel bag full of cash down on her bed there for them both to see. And Ava's just like, I know it's terrible timing. 
but an inspired Dana Booker scares the crap out of me. And Dylan, Caitlin are there. Caitlin kind of sits on the bed and glances glances over at Dylan. I think the inference here is that they want to know like why their friend hasn't spilled this big secret before. And she says, "I didn't tell you because it's just not my. It's not just my secret to keep, isn't it?" Uh, and I love my dad, and I promised him that I wouldn't tell anyone. So I've kept this a secret until now because holy shit, it's a lot of money, and I've been living off it ever since. Well, technically, if you're talking about secret in terms of like physical bills of commerce like wouldn't some of those secrets in that bag be like zach's parents <laughs> no not literally i mean that's it, it came out of the stash by which ava's dad stole money from people right it was just like look your parents they gave money to my dad but it, they, not these actual dollar bills these are different ones so anyway and she's like let fuck? me explain it in terms of blood diamonds <laughs> <laughs> so Caitlin's like, so this is how you've been paying for school? And Ava's like, yeah, it's what the money is for. I mean, using it is the only way that I can stay here. And Dylan, of all people, is about to get on his high horse and be like, uh, no, Ava, you can apply for financial aid. You get a scholarship. And Ava's just like, get fucking real, Dylan. This is BHU. They're not giving scholarships to daughters of criminals. It's surprising that Claire just never like kicked her out. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's some connection between Claire and her dad that we'll find out later. Ooh. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you're wondering, did she suddenly demonetize her channel? Yeah. What happened to your channel, Ava? Have you updated did in a while? She, didn't you do the math? She on... was. She would have been raking in some cash on yeah. that channel. She should have been yeah. doing just fine without. Like, she shouldn't even need to touch that money, really. Yeah. Seriously, put that in a. And this fucking CD or something. I don't Which know I think at first was what I assumed from the pilot. I was like, oh, this money is just kind of like she doesn't know what to do with it kind of a thing. She's hanging on to it. Maybe she expects the dad to come back and want it or something, you know? So mm-hmm. she just like has this money. But like, no, she's actually just spending it. Slowly yeah, I mean, isn't this why we created the Cayman Islands? Or this the is why we, you know, created children so we can hide our ill-gotten gains with them if we need to, you know, get out of town for a while. Whatever OJ did of his Heismans. They got sold off eventually. Yeah. Oh, I thought I sold him to his da- or gave him to his daughter. Oh, like did he? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, man, OJ is a big old black hole in my mind. I have never cared at all about the whole scandal. I know nothing about it. I'm happier for it. Really? You didn't watch the uh, no, no, fuck, no, no, no. It was like, what the fuck? This is boring. I want to watch cartoons. Why is this on? I I don't understand the appeal, but that's just me. I feel like sometimes you're older than me, and sometimes you're like drastically younger than me. It was uh, like, uh, you know, afternoon, you got your gummy bears, your tailspin, your ducktails, and uh, your Chippendale Rescue Rangers, man. In the afternoon? Yeah. You don't remember the, that afternoon block there from like, I don't this know, was on three like, to uh, five? Like on, this was on like a Saturday. No, no, no. Saturday. This was like three like to Saturday five weekdays, man. This was a weekend. I don't know what happened. sad life you I were living vaguely, where you couldn't watch those every day of the week. vaguely remember like watching the Bronco Chase live. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I, this is so so vital to this episode of PLL the Perfectionist. I always like the gummy bears. I like to when what they if, drink that gummy if, juice. What if OJ guest starred as the dean next season? He probably needs money. Isn't the he back in jail? Next? I can't remember. I don't know. He's he's you know had a weird fucking life. <laughs> Ava, if your dad did it, this is how he did it. If I did it, maybe this was how. <laughs> the Ava Jalali story. <laughs> That'd be fashionable. We'll so Dylan says, so what can we do to help? And Ava says, Dana Booker already knows about the money. 
It's only a matter of time before she finds it here. I mean, she hasn't yet. And she clearly just like kind of rattled you to see what you would do. And you're acting like an amateur. But yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Caitlin says, unless you move off campus, which is exactly what what Dana's hoping for, that you'll move the money somewhere so she can catch you. Uh, Yeah. Now we're talking. So, I mean... Also, my you're, other you're wondering was, about Ava's motivations here. Is she a genius at killing Nolan and then hiding her involvement, but a, a big dummy when it comes to this money, or does she have some other ulterior motive? Well, my other thought was, does she not want to be caught in possession of the money? So that's why she's engineering it so that her buddy offers to house it for her. But no, you're right. This is directly inspired by Dana rattling her cage. So it's like, yeah, like you're you got away with murder. You're about to send this British patsy like like down. I don't know. I mean, I down guess the docks I guess maybe Ava's it. thinking worst case scenario. I send this money off. Well, no, because she goes with Caitlin. If she just sent Caitlin off alone with it, then it's like, yeah, good yeah. luck with that. But then she can call like anonymously call Dana and be yeah. like, Caitlin's got the money, which I mean, make sense I don't know. And this is unless this is some sort of like double cross, triple cross or something where like she needs to have the money get taken by Dana because it's part of a greater plan or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like on a long enough timeline, if any PLO show, if we put our wish out there to eventually get answered. I think at one point we talked about like, I would love for mission impossible, like masks. Boom. See, I think if it was smart, it would be all be like fake money. Be like counterfeits Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. you, uh, you do the thing where you fan the, uh, the stack and it's all blank paper. Newspaper, yeah. And she's like, nothing personal, Caitlin. But, uh, you know, I knew that Dana would be on to me, so I had to use use a decoy. Yeah, something, something. The, motive's been, the money's been taped to my ass the whole time. Like, in quick change. My fashionable ass, yeah. Something, 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 David Mamet ending. Yeah, yeah. You know those uh, those huge, poofy things that are all on all my like, oh, shoulders? Oh, shit, things? it's always been full of money? Yeah, diamonds. Ooh, oh, okay, cool. Blood diamonds. <laughs> Blood diamonds. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if that was like so the only trick there then would be like if her fashion show had been based around like not poppies or whatever it was no it was some kind of flower oh yeah if yeah. it had been based daisies? around whatever that flower flower no because it wasn't daisies because the daisies came and he was like here's your fucking daisies and she's like i didn't order davies according to darwin this other fucking thing was my thing um no if it had been based around diamonds the whole time we'd be fucking talking my friend. Um, anyway, RV of secrets parked in the woods. It's overcast. And again, the crows are on the soundtrack. Like they really want us to think that anything, any woods where this RV is parked is haunted. Is this just um, like a Ravens wood, like, like a, a Twitch, you know, just like, gotta get them fucking get them crows and Ravens back, man. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're like trying to like subtly nudge us to think that all things Taylor are suspicious. Um, so <laughs> oh, it's not very RV, subtle. Yeah. Inside. Well, cause I mean, it's like not, necessarily textually based she seems to have motive Um, and she's adorable i don't know taylor's standing at the computer desk inside doing her cycling through the we see a quadrant of rotating security camera footage cycling through the the thing there inside for command prompt window in the middle and she's initiating a search of all things Jeremy Beckett there on the computer. There's some gobbledygook and she hits execute on that search. And we don't code. Cool. 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 So I say, don't even worry about Taylor. Taylor is fine. Remember how a long time ago in the last episode, Taylor was like, I need to to be the one 
who rats yep. out Dana because yep. then who, I'll get who, full. I can have access to the beacon guard. Yeah. Then I'll get full access. And then in this episode, she's like, oh, I have my RV. Never mind. I just. So it's like, did the two people who wrote those episodes not talk to each other? Or I don't know. It's. So my take on it is presumably that she needs her mom to like not be doubting her like she fucking is ad nauseum in this episode. That's my guess. Like she needs not just her own beacon guard full access. She needs like her mom to trust her and yeah, all this. Stuff. And that's all fine. But there's there's really easy lampshades you could put here. The show seems to refuse to do for reasons which I don't think are right. giving it any benefit at all. She could have just said. I can still use the RV. It's not full access, but I can do my gate detection. And then it's like, okay, it makes sense. Instead, yeah. it's just like, wait, you could have done this before? Mm-hmm. What was the full access about? Why did you need that? Because the pilot also told us that like, she can get momentary access, but then yeah. like, it doesn't stick. She can, what was it, throw feeds to Nolan's phone? It doesn't sure. stick. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to jump back to Caitlin's living room here. We're going to, High angle shot. You said you think it feels very em- emphatic and pointed as uh, Ava and Caitlin stuff that bag of Ava's money into the little sliding compartment in the entertainment this, center. There, this felt like like some kind of Hitchcockian. You know, like you like letting you know this is where the fucking MacGuffin is being stuffed. That is probably straight out of a hundred different movies that Norbert can name drop. It would have been nice if we had a couple more scenes in this location. Then, just yeah. with like knowing that entertainment center is in the background there. You know what I mean? Or more, maybe more referencing of it. Just visually, you see it, or yeah, some. I don't know. This is a terrible place to hide something. Like, well, especially once the mom comes home. Why don't you move this you shit into your bedroom? Yeah, you don't have a closet. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the girls on the on the after buzz thing was like, "Put it in your panty drawer." Sure. Presumably, your mom's not going in your panty drawer. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe Senator Caitlin's mom is. Caitlin, your boyfriend died and you're wearing these underoos? I don't think so. Yeah, not a big fan of her mom. Yeah. Doesn't seem like a senator. Interesting. Why is that? She she seems like a high school teenager's mom, I guess. Like, she doesn't, like, she's going to have some reactions here later that are not like, ooh, smooth politician at all. So again, sometimes I don't get to rewatch the episode, so I have to go through like the second half of the episode through your notes. Uh-huh. And I was pleased that as I was about to write in, like, this is a fucking high school storyline that later on, fortunately you had written, this is a fucking high school storyline, which is where Kaylin is at this episode. Yeah. Like her of her mom is like, this would make more sense if you were in high school. So anyway, they slide the door shut. That money is well hid now, guys. Ava walks away, kind of freaking out a little and says, are you sure it's safe here? Caitlin says, no, but do you have any other options? I live here 300 days out of the year by myself. Uh, So glad that she at least started with a no. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin says, my moms haven't listened to music since disco died. It's a long time Mm -hmm. ago, Caitlin. Like how? Before she was born. Yeah. I mean, your mom might not have been alive yet when disco died, potentially. (laughs) Maybe, maybe she'd have been like a toddler. Like you mentioned some people earlier who were born in the 90s. Uh, Caitlin was probably born. Caitlin's probably the born aughts. like. Nah, was she yeah, born before nine eleven? At this Let point, at this point, she's probably born like ninety nine or, or later. Yeah. Oof. So when I graduated high school, because I'm a thousand. Uh-huh. Um. Hey, says thanks for doing this. At least we know Dana Booker won't be barging in here. Uh oh. Just then, we hear the sound of a door and uh, Caitlin's mom calling out from off screen. She says, "Caitlin." Ava says, "Is that the maid?" Jesus, Caitlin, do chill. 
Deuce, chill. Caitlin's mom has just arrived home and is walking in. Didn't she have to, I don't know, go back to do some some Senate stuff? Like for so it's like five days ago or something. I don't know. For four hours to two days to one week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she comes around the corner, kind of zeroing in on her daughter. So happy to see her. And Caitlin's like, hi, mom. What are you doing here? And they hug. And her mom says, well, Claire personally invited me to the gala. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to spend some time with you. I'm sure. I'm so sure she'd like, well, they're having a vote on, on you know, like healthcare tomorrow. But yeah, I got to get back to go to a gala at my daughter's college. Okay, so again, what did she say? Like, I was bummed not long ago when I didn't get the attorney general position. Yeah, I think we live in so, a, a fantasy world where there's a Democrat president. Are, are, do we, or is she like, is she like a MAGA mom? Uh, you could say it might make more sense for a character, but no, Ava voted for her. There's no way she has to be a Democrat. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, this is a beautiful world where Hillary. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it has to be really because I, I do believe we see that it's 2019 somewhere. So, well, we're all able to do this bullshit in the the Pacific Northwest because it's not like the GOP, a terrorist organization, has declared war on women elsewhere. Yeah. So Caitlin's mom says, "Hi, I'm and Ava's kind of right on it, shaking her hand." Ava says, "Senator Park Lewis, you don't have a first name. I voted for you in the midterms. It's it's an honor to meet you." And her mom's like, "Thank you for your vote." And she does that thing where she's kind of hanging on, like waiting for a name to call her by. And Ava says, I'm Ava, Ava Jalali. And that happy face just like melts from Caitlin's mom. And she's just like, oh, shit. Well, you just got to get right the fuck out of here then. No, uh, Caitlin's Caitlin is just her face is just like, oh, my God, mom. And like it incredibly like phony and condescending. Her mom is like, I'm sure we all have a lot to get ready for this afternoon. Like, get the fuck out of here. Get the hint, you know. And mm-hmm. Ava's like, yeah, I was just leaving. So she collects her purse and whatever and leaves. And as soon as she's gone, mom lets out a big disappointed sigh. And Caitlin's like, that was inappropriate. You're fucking U.S. Senator. What the fuck? Uh, Caitlin's mom is like, it's about the optics. Her father is a well-known criminal who's currently a fugitive. What optics? Who's here? Are the paps outside? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Caitlin says, he's not my friend. She is. And Caitlin's mom says, no time to argue with you, Caitlin. Just disinvite that vampire from coming into her home. We need to get ready for the gala or the gala. That's how she keeps pronouncing it. That might be the stupidest joke that I've ever written for this show that I'm proudest of. I don't know why. This show could use some vampires. So Caitlin's mom just kind of rounds the computer or the uh, corner heading to the bedroom. Caitlin just exhales from all this bullshit and takes one last glance back at that closed door to the entertainment center. That just to me, like, if you're a U.S. senator you've got to have encountered people who were like, you didn't want to talk to them or maybe you thought they were going to ask a polite question and they came at you hard or, you know, like blaming you for their, you know, kid's death or, you know, there's all kinds of shit that they have to eat in politics. Like you've got to be a little smoother than like immediately like, just like, like be shitty and condescending when you find out this girl's last name. Yes. True. I mean, Again, I only worked in in like local city politics, but like that was what my job was for too. Like I was the guy who like took notes about everyone the person talked to, and I was also the guy who stepped in when it was time for an excuse. Oh yeah, he wants so to talk, Gary. To you, but he's got to go. He's yeah. I was fucking Gary. I showed but up. Like uh, she's well, a US you haven't senator. seen the finale yet. No, no, I haven't seen the finale. No, but like oh. she's she's a U.S. senator. She should be a little smoother. You'd think it seems like she's like a PTA mom is how they're writing her, you know? 
Well, the other thing too that's like glaringly missing from this to me is I feel like at some point Claire is going to have a private chat with the mom. And you have to assume that she maintains a friendship with Caitlin's mom because she's a senator. But also, well, she's a she's one of the biggest donors. But Claire is aware of the photos. That's true. Yeah. Do you think she'd be like, let's talk about like uh, my interest in private for profit prisons or whatever? Okay, so cut to bonus place. We're gonna we're gonna power through this one. We need to pick it up anyways. It's only twelve minutes in the episode. Uh, Mona comes around the corner, check herself out in her in a mirror in her nice long kind of evening gown, full length uh, red evening gown here. Nice looking dress. Uh, she's got that mirror in the. Is, is this in her living room or bedroom? It's her living room. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see oh her her young lover is fucking doing his homework uh, over at the kitchen table here. Jesus. And Mona's like, what do you think? And Mason says, I hate it. And Mona is surprised because she knows she looks great. And she's like, you do? And he gets up and comes over and he says, mm, I hate it so much that I'm going to help you get out of it. And the whole audience is just like, uh, God, this guy sucks. Uh, and Mona says, oh, we're getting horny now? Cool. No. Uh, she says, like some sex music starts playing on the soundtrack and says, well, you know what I hate? Those pants you're wearing. And he's like, oh, really? And she's like, mm-hmm. And Mason says, I see where this is going. And true to her word, uh, where it's going is Mona and doing his pants while they're about to kiss. Uh, like she was just playing on a hiking up her skirt there and just going to uh, check his mate right there. Uh, yeah, no, thankfully a cell phone rings and Mason says, oh, that's me. I think I put it down when we were uh, in his little head nod indicating the sex. So I guess this is like a second round of smashing earlier today, uh, not including the night before. And Mona's Unless like, he was just like sent to the bedroom. While the PLLs and the perks, I were feel up. like that would deserve a callback. I guess. Mm, she's wouldn't, like, wouldn't he, he be a little there. curious about what they're talking about? Okay. Um, or he's spying for Claire, or he's yeah. too stupid to do either. So Mona says, "Yeah, that was amazing. I'm so fucking sure this 19 year old is amazing." Yeah, uh, and he kind of smiles like this is. Uh, he's surprised to hear a compliment, but appreciates it. And they walk around the couch. And he spots the phone like under some pillows it's ringing we can see the caller id shows that it's claire hotchkiss calling and he's like oh i found it and he picks up the phone and turns off the ringer and mona of course saw that and she's like why is claire hotchkiss calling you and he says nolan and i practically grew up together you know claire and i stayed in touch since the funeral and Mona's like oh that's so sweet of you that's not suspicious at all because i got hit with the idiot ball and uh, some more kissing as billy eilish gets turned up on the soundtrack that's like a popular singer now or something right yeah, and I would just say for anyone who's interested, the YouTube video, because apparently Billie Eilish is a huge fan of The Office, where Rain Wilson shows up to her house and like questions her about office trivia is pretty funny. Also, because he calls her William Eyelash the whole time. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. So they kiss. There's some hands moving around. Uh, I guess they're going to bone. Yeah. I don't know. Money just got all nice in that dress. You're really sure you want to waste it on this guy? It's it's like I don't know. It's she's Elaine or something, or only in reverse. Like she gets horny and it turns off all her other Mona senses. Like it's obvious she was just lied to, and, yeah. and rather poorly, but yeah, doesn't see it. So well, so my question to the audience is: number one, what do you think is more? I don't know. Transcendental, turning off your conscious mind, making you one with the universe, being in a hyper adrenalized state, or like la petite mort. And two, who is who like watched this moment and thought this is hot? I'm sure they exist. I don't know. Because it seemed like I don't know why anyone ships them, but some people do. 
she's clearly like the older woman guiding this young man. Anyways, transition from that glass of cold water to some steamy, steamy hands uh, from Dylan and Andrew here. They're kind of on top of each other. This is definitely as like explicit as they've ever gotten here. They're making yeah, well, out. Hands on skin. Down. Transition yeah. to other hands on skin. Yeah. They're um, actually like doing stuff in bed as opposed to like most times on PLL when it's not the straight couple. It's just like they're undercovers and fade out or something like that, you know? I mean, there's definitely like, I mean, Andrew's on top of Dylan and he's definitely like, they're like rubbing, rubbing dicks on each other. And I mean, I, they, they might be doing more. I don't know. Like I can't tell quite from the positioning, but like they're on top of each other, bumping and grinding. There's nude contact. Um, so they need some air at one point. They kind of like lay on their sides and Andrew's like, you do know there's no way I'm never seeing you again, right? It's just the theme of this date, <laughs> which is essentially I thought took as Andrew saying, I won't be broken up with. <laughs> I won't just be ignored, Dylan. Uh, but Dylan facing him is like, I'm not going home. I found some way to stay here. Uh, he's he's just becoming Southern now. It's just happening. Um, you can just go, Andrew, I don't know, try to get a job at the symphony or something. Which apparently is Andrew's. Well, like Andrew, I feel like Andrew's kind of written like, Somewhere in there, he's got a character that's trying to come through, and we're just ignoring it for the sake of the audience. But, like, yeah, like, he wouldn't want his boyfriend to leave. It might be hard for him, you know, despite the fact that his boyfriend's a shit. Though lots of people are in relations with toxic folk. It just happens. But Andrew says, you know, and I'll do whatever I can to help you. And Dylan's like, you're still the best thing that's ever happened to me. Narrator, he wasn't. Andrew's like, I know. Dylan's like, oh, I see what you did there. And they chuckle. And Andrew like reaches beside the bed to grab a small white gift box, which he hands to Dylan. He says, happy anniversary. Dylan's like, we missed that. Remember, you remember? Andrew's like, mm-hmm. Just open it. So they missed it when they were broken up. For and like Andrew four left. days or something, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. When he was staying, who knows where? And I would be kind of curious if this was my significant other. Where were you staying? For Does he days? actually have a dorm of his own that he never goes to? Yeah. Or friends. Um, so Dylan doesn't look like you really shouldn't have. No, really, you shouldn't have because I've never, ever, ever deserved it in my not, life. Not particularly, no. No, he opens the box. It's a watch. Andrew's like, I had it engraved. So Dylan takes it out, flips it over, and sees the engraving. He reads what it says, which is 1216. Uh, Andrew clarifies, that's the exact moment we met at orientation. Oh, God, can you imagine settling down with the person you met at orientation? Yeah, I assume they mean freshman orientation. Yeah, that's... Man, there's other fish. Yeah, plenty of fish. That's what they website. Um, so there's a lot of close-ups as they share what is apparently a sexy reminiscence here. Dylan's like, oh, I remember you were wearing your blue jacket. And Andrew's like, oh, yeah. And Dylan's like, thank you. I mean, like, that's it. Blue jacket. Ooh, swoon. <laughs> Dylan's like, thank you. They it's share a smooth. You don't know his, his legendary trademark blue jacket? It's like Kramer's jacket. Like, it just makes you come. Um, Dylan's like, I have a gift for you. And Andrew's like, ooh. So Dylan leans over, picks up some, like, sheet music and a flash drive and hands them to Andrew, which I would take is not the sexiest gift. So Andrew reads it, and he's like, That depends on what's Andrew. on that flash drive. Well, but unless you hand me a device by which I can also read it, am I supposed to, like, is it is a vibrating flash drive? What am I supposed I'll, to do Hold on, this? I'll airplay it to you. So Andrew reads, he's like a song for Andrew by Dylan Walker. And Dylan's like, happy anniversary. Never really worked on that title. No, it could use some work. I mean, it, it's literally what it is. So Dylan gets up, puts some pants on, starts picking up the cello. 
I feel like if you're in a real relationship, you just play. The whole butcher shop's hanging there. Uh, you got it's cello. your cello, though. I don't know if you really, you know, you gotta treat like that wood. Dick hasn't touched that cello before. You gotta, you gotta treat the wood well. I'm, I'm not talking about the cello now. Uh, so Andrew says, "I'm blown away," but you're not gonna play it, are you? This is it on the drive right here. And Dylan says, "I'm gonna try. I'll take it slow." So I guess he can just play again as he starts to play song for Andrew. And Andrew's watching, chewing on that lip. He's so overcome. They're making bedroomize each other. These two are like 35 or something, right? Like their relationship just does not feel like a college relationship at all. Well, like they're getting each other sexy. watches and shit. Yeah, all the sexy has gone out of like at the start of this scene. We were we saw more sexy than we've ever seen from these two, and it's completely gone now. Well, it's because he start giving each other watches. Like these two are supposed to be like 19. Yeah. Well, what would be the gift then? I don't know. Like, um, maybe something for his cello if you're trying to be sentimental. It's, I, I, I like, just think 19 year old dudes are just like, I don't know, not super thoughtful. Well, but I feel like this was more like head scratch. We want this to be a relationship that's, I don't know, uplifting for Dylan. We haven't ever really put a lot of effort into who the fuck Andrew is. Yeah. There's, it's a, it's a watch and that's engraved. And that'll tell a story about a thing that they did one time. It's like, eh. So, um, yeah, Dylan's, I'm going to try to take it slow. He, he pulls up the stand. He gets the stick. I don't know what it's called. He starts, Bo, I guess. He starts playing yeah, he a song for Andrew. Yeah, he plays. Um, yeah. So, meanwhile, close up on a phone with a text from Claire Hotchkiss on it. It says, I'm at Watchgrove Hall. Where are you? Uh, this is Taylor's phone because she's checking it while she's in the RV, still doing beacon guard bullshit. She doesn't give a shit about that text and sets it down to go back to work. She's got this kind of psychotic little head thing she does. As she's she typing. does. Her gaze goes back and forth to observe the code in the matrix there or whatever. Just then, a big red alert says, intruder approaching. Uh, if Mo had seen this capability, she would never have given this up. And we kind of zoom in on Taylor's oh shit face. And then a moment later, later we're kind of playing with what angles we can in this RV. We see a shadow across the floor as the door opens and a person steps inside pan up to see it's Ava. She turns around and suddenly there's a fucking gun in her face aimed by Taylor. Hashtag Taylor's got a gun. Ava kind of throws her hands up and freaks out. Jeez, Taylor. And Taylor says, what are you doing here? And Ava says, you said you wanted to talk. Taylor says, that was before we found out Jeremy probably killed my brother. And he was like, okay. And as a fury in herself, Taylor like finally lowers that gun, which has just been like shoved in Ava's face for the last few lines there. <laughs> And uh, Taylor says, Nolan loved you. He'd kill me if I shot you. Would he? And Ava's like, he loved me? And Taylor says, yeah, he knew it from the moment he first met you, Ava. You were the one. Your happiness was more important to him than his own. Okay. <laughs> and Taylor seems so happy to be sharing that. And Ava's doing that thing where she's smiling so big, she's going to cry. And Taylor sets her gun down. I really wanted this to be like, there were, I don't know, like, like Taylor's smart enough that like there's no bullets in that gun or something. It's like a test for Ava. Mm. But like Ava's smart enough to know not to pick it up. That's just my headcanon of what's going on here. As a Sicilian, you have to know that I would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now the awkward part. And Taylor says, he slept with that girl to push you away. He did have to protect you. And it was the hardest thing he's ever had to do. That's a, that's an excuse. Yeah. Something was the hardest thing. Uh, yeah. Ava says, protect me from what? And Taylor kind of steps away from her to go look at her computer monitor because she can't can't face Ava while she says this. She says, 
I disappeared a year ago because I discovered someone hijacked Beacon Guard to spy on a select group of people at BHU. I never figured out who they were. I got too close and had to disappear. This all feels incredibly vague and murky. But also, now I'm just playing to Andrew's new newly minted bingo card. This is like pivot number eight. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, this is an interesting idea. In okay. episode nine. So somebody has hijacked Beacon Guard to spy on a select group of people. For what? We don't know. Who? We don't know. Who yeah. are they? We don't know. Taylor got, quote unquote, too close and had to disappear. What does that mean? Also, we don't know. Also, main cast and Ray Hagedorn. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, so Ava says, because you were afraid? And Taylor says, yeah. And Nolan knew everything I knew. He didn't want you anywhere near this because the person who hijacked Beacon Guard tried to kill me. It'd be great to see how that went down. Seriously. Uh, and Ava says, Taylor, you must have been terrified. And Taylor says, I thought that person also killed Nolan, but if it was Jeremy, he did it for Caitlin. This is kind of the weird thing here is that they've kind of been in the background building up this weird like paranoia plot line, you know, Beacon Guard and whatnot. But like seemingly most of our suspects for Nolan have nothing to do with that. Right, right. Like the only people who would have something to do with that are Claire and Taylor. And I suppose Mona. Um, so it's like, I don't know. You're going to have to pick one or the other eventually. And then something is superfluous. Yeah. So, yeah. If it was Jeremy, he did it for Caitlin. Ava, it's it's time for her to, to just get obsessed about her drive to be perfect again. She says, all that pretending, all that needed to be perfect, pretending to be Caitlin's boyfriend. It's It's what got Nolan killed. It's kind of my thing, just talking about how you shouldn't pretend to be perfect. And Taylor, yeah. Taylor says, I think you're right. I use Beacon Guard to track Jeremy's history. For a guy who wasn't a student, he was on campus a lot. I mean, he was dating someone. Uh, he was following Nolan, stalking him like a jealous boyfriend. Maybe, Maybe he was. Yeah. Wouldn't make that much sense or, you know, wouldn't not make sense. Well, on one hand, we've seen that Nolan is probably omnisexual or bisexual. On the other hand, Jeremy's British. I think what you're trying to say is Nolan fucks. Yeah, Nolan fucks. He, he There's loads of fucking. And Jeremy, I don't know. Why, who says he's not fucking Jeremy? Could oh, be. My. Oh, my. <laughs> We're so, having a bit of orgasm here. We see on the screen it says IP backtrace and then gate match. It says Jeremy Beckett was 15 yards southeast of Thornhall South Entrance, 86 seconds prior to the power shutdown. And he says, what? What is it? Taylor says, I just backtraced the IP address of the computer used to, to cause the blackout the night Nolan was killed. It was a Hotchkiss device logged onto by Jeremy. This seems like the kind of evidence that Ava planted in the last episode. Mm. He timed the blackout or the beacon guard blackout to give himself a window of time to get up on the roof. And then Taylor kind of shakes her head with emotion, arrive back down at the bottom before a crowd showed up. And Ava very faintly says, oh my God, my planted evidence has worked perfectly. <laughs> And Taylor says, but what he didn't know is that I've engineered a program that identifies gate recognition. Jeremy was walking around Thorn Hall moments before the blackout. It will probably take another two episodes at least before we figure out what he was really doing there. That's season two. Yeah. Because um, mm -hmm. he definitely wasn't there killing Nolan. And I'm sure this is all set up. Uh, so we get a really intense close up on Taylor. She delivers that. Uh, then Ava kind of half in profile as she stares at the screen, kind of processing what this means. And Ava says, he killed Nolan, or at least it looks that way. High five. Uh, we slowly push in on that smiling picture of Jeremy on the computer screen. Big music. 
I want to say when she's talking about backtracing the IP, that's like not a real IP address, but bravo. Probably. Um, so episode two, I'm trying to counter all the things we learned last week with episode two. Episode two, Mona's emotional. She's writing like equations all over the fucking walls yeah. of her her apartment. We're to believe that she was hinting to Beacon Guard that she was aware of them, even though they're pretty obvious. So they brought her in at some point to talk to her and swear her to silence. Presumably by swearing her to silence, they were like also like, by the way, there was a blackout. There you go. There's a nugget of information you don't need, but we we're going to give to you. Calm you down. Right? I mean, she reports that in episode two. Yeah. Like, I, I just, so who's I feel this? Like the, there's, there's like, there's Dana, who uh-huh. seemingly has full access to Beacon Guard, and there's Claire, who can just be like, you know, full surveillance on whoever. active surveillance, yeah. yeah. And then there's Mona and like her weird cabal that she may or may not be working for. Like they haven't been seen since episode one. And then there's an, maybe another secretive group, maybe Mona's group. We don't know. Some some other group that then, is also spying on students with Beacon Guard for who knows what right. purpose. The quote unquote A, the real A, the antagonist, if you will. May or may not then, be a part of that group. Yeah. Then there's Ray Hagedorn. There's this list that seemingly our, our antagonist has hijacked Mona's programming to generate this list of uh, main characters. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. But I think the show wants you, it seems like the show wants you to forget about the ending of the pilot. I don't know why it was there. Yeah. It's not like you didn't have months and months to take out that one last scene and film, even film something else. Anyway, yeah, so after the commercial... Caitlin's on the phone. Caitlin's like, Jeremy, this wasn't an easy decision for me to make, but I've changed my mind. I, I'll do whatever it takes for us to be together. And we see the other side of the phone call. Jeremy's on a cell out in nature somewhere, just leaning up against the hood of his DB, Aston Martin DB5. He looks totally different with his hair here. Yeah, he's like, I'm in Skyfall. He's, he's, yeah, he's, well, first of all, he's got black gloves on. He has a watch on over the gloves, which is just perfect. Um, right, this is, this is strangling gloves, but he's wearing a watch over the gloves. Yeah meticulous and he's like i knew you'd come through for me kate and she's like on the phone she's like where should i meet you and he's like i'll text you when you when and where in a few hours i love you she's like i love you too so jeremy hangs up looks at his like phone which is also upside down did we talk about this the upside down phones a lot of upside down phones in this episode what the i mean i'm not crazy right these are upside down phones you're not crazy the fuck and he goes around the driver's side of the car. So we back to Caitlin's side of the conversation. She lowers the phone, drops a little bit of the facade she had to put on to get through this. I wonder if it you was intentional that. that we can't see the uh, grill on this car to see that it's not a Toyota. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I just picture like Cancer Man from the X-Files taking Norbuck aside and being like, that's not a Toyota. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> um, so she's at Mona's. Sitting at Mona's long table there with all the interested parties in attendance again. Surprise, it was a setup. Yeah, Allison and Mona are sitting at the other end of the table from her. Dylan is like half sitting on the back of a different chair slash couch nearby. This is the couch where the the perfs were sitting an episode ago when Caitlin was called Spencer. Um, Caitlin looks over at her emotional support, Ava, who comes in off frame to comfort her in her like gold Lannister Targaryen blouse. Um, Taylor's hovering in the kitchen area in a black shroud, like an ominous spectral waif, um, a blonde spirit of vengeance, if you will, 
um, Caitlin very emotional. She's like, I know I shouldn't still care about him after what he did to Nolan, but and he was like, it's okay, Kate. You did the right thing. Caitlin's like, I just hope he does the right thing and tells us the truth. And Mona's like, head nod. Taylor steps in and she's like, after you find out when and where you're meeting him, we'll all be there. Even if he doesn't confess, there's six of us and one of him. He's not going to get away. Also, I'm tooled up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's got to get his wand away from him, right? I'm rolling like, with some chrome right now. Yeah. He's like the uh, Jason Bourne aura. Auror. I've had some drinks. Um, Ava's still rubbing Caitlin's shoulders. She's like, and then this will be all be over. We give Dana Nolan's killer. And Allison's like, and she'll finally be off our backs. Yeah, I'm in Drink this Drink every time too. somebody says, and this will all be over. Seriously, that's more than the uh, so-and-so is the killer, but also not the killer kind of mentality. Anyway, Dylan's phone goes off. Andrews texts Dylan a selfie of himself in a suit that says, what do you think for the gala? And Dylan to the group is like, are we still going to the gala? And Taylor's like, with all this happening? No, we can't risk anything going wrong. And Allison's like, if we don't go, it'll look suspicious. And Mona's like, Allison's right. You know the drill. Also, Alice and I are friends now. I just thought about that. Holy shit. Yeah. And Ava's like, act normal, bitches. Yeah, yeah I saw that catchphrase. I think Alice, Allison just really wanted to go to the gala. Yes, she did. She's like, I bought a dress. Uh-huh. Like, I don't make a lot of money. I bought a dress. I mean, Mona definitely wants to go to the gala. We've seen how she looks. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Well, seriously, she wore the dress, then did this. She's not wearing the dress right now, right? Uh, let me back up a little here. I don't believe she is. No, she is not. She tried on the dress. She fucked her way out of the dress. Now she's wearing normal clothes. Yeah. Had to Ava's the doing, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I just like, assume that Mason like say, say what you will about Mason. He's probably got a lot of jam. He's 19. You think so? Mm-hmm. I don't think he knows where to put that jam. That's probably on her furniture. That's what I'm saying. She's but, got uh, it sent to the cleaner. Well, I'm just saying like some of that jam might have ended up on her furniture, not the dress. Anyway, Ava's doing some PLO appropriation of her act normal bitches. So we get that stock shot of the reflecting pool of Hotchkiss Manor. At least we can't see Mona in the background of this one. Yeah. <laughs> then we're inside Claire's study again, and she's talking to Mason. Speak of the devil. Yeah. And she's like, people express their grief in so many different ways. Thank you for being there for me. What, the audience, what did he just say to her? About. Yeah, seriously. The audience it's just like, yeah, so I fucked Mona. <laughs> High five? High five? Huh? Huh? Leave me hanging? Um, she starts walking to the door. And she's, and he's like, thank you for being so understanding, Claire. And she's like, of course. Let me know if you need anything. He's like, goodbye. And she's like, take care. Kelly Rutherford. Take care, you fucking rat snitch. I mean, that's what he had to have just told her about Mona, right? Like nothing else really makes sense here. I don't know. Because seemingly all this stuff after with Booker and the act of surveillance presumably leads to proof of the Mona affair. What I'm assuming is Mason tells Claire it happened. Booker goes and gets the hard evidence, and then okay. boom, you're fired. Either way, at the end of this episode, they've got a Mona sex tape, which I assume has got to be like next level Matrix shit, um, like wire foo fucking. Um, but Kelly Rutherford, like again, she shows up. She manages to be kind of flirty in this scene, like while conveying that there's definitely this imbalance where she's planning something that that he's playing into and is completely unaware of. I think they want us to think at least. And a tiny part in the back of her mind, maybe there's something going on here. Like, what if Eddie Haskell was fucking Mrs. Hotchkiss? Yeah. So he leaves. Once he's gone, and I I mean by gone, I mean like PLL gone, where like he's just stepped literally three feet away. 
she whips out the phone, makes that phone call that she's made so many, many times. And then the phone, she says, I want active surveillance on Mason Gregory. Start it now. Should it be a designation like BH-47? Did we see this in the episode? Uh, I believe we had a uh, in Moda's BH, episode, which BH4 like, maybe. Or, okay. There's a number four. I can't remember the designation for that. but Because no one's BH-5. Is he BH-5? So it was BH-4, yeah. Which wouldn't which, be Mason. I don't know. B- BH4 is obviously a big mystery. Maybe the, the antagonist of our show. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, like, I want to say that in the one of the episodes where, where Mona had the RV, we saw his destination. Oh, anyway. yeah. It was it was a long number. It wasn't a short one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, whatever. I, as opposed to before when she said, I want active surveillance on BH whatever. Now she's saying on Mason Gregory. Well, because we wouldn't know who the fuck. Uh, Mason Gregory's because in that other scene it's like BH5 and it's like your son yes or you know what I mean like the the, the way yeah, the yeah, yeah, went yeah. there yeah yeah her assistant's just like BH251 am I supposed to know who that is hold on let me look it up well I guess if she just types it in the can whatever yeah meanwhile I mean like, there's a way to make this make sense <laughs> meanwhile in the student union Zach is working on his like a square website space page you know online portfolio there you know for his artwork uh we pull back and kind of rotate his footsteps approach ava's walking up to take a seat on ottoman next to him she's doing that thing where she wears a coat but she doesn't have her arms through the sleeves because she's so fancy and fashionable it's also mm-hmm. lined with black fur so she's ready to take the black once she's discovered as a killer and ava says mm-hmm. hi zach says hey and she sees what he's designing and his artwork there and she's like oh wow that's beautiful and zach's just like golly gee you mean it and Ava says, yeah. And he's like, thanks. And they share a sweet smile. Ava says, you know who Lee Redman is, right? And Zach just like, the Manhattan gallery owner? I'm so sure that like poor ass Zach from like flyover bumfuckville knows who that is. Uh, and mm-hmm. Ava says, mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, of course. Her taste is legendary. If she gives you a show, your work is immediately taken seriously. And Ava says, well, I just found out from a friend of mine, Zoe, whose mom, yes. is, whose mom is an artist, that Lee Redman is going to be at this weird podunk gala tonight for some private school in the middle of the forest. Uh, the most important word of that whole sentence, Zoe. Um, no offense to all of you listening, but the most excited I've gotten in the past like three weeks or whatever was when Roxanne Stathos started following us on Twitter. She did? Yes. Awesome. And she watches our stupid Instagram stories, which are just old PLL screenshots. <laughs> What's up, Roxanne Stathos? I think You're awesome. finally arrived. Yes. So Zach says, okay. And Ava's like, Fortson, that's our thing. We call each other by our last names. Fortson, what are you not getting? Zach's just like, uh, are we going to fuck? And Ava's like, yes, but no, you are going to show Lee your work. This is your shot. And he kind of puts his laptop away and rises. And he's like, you're cute when you're flustered. I've got to get going. She kind of stands to put her foot down and says, I'm not letting either of us pass up on this chance. I'm talking up the Vogue editor today. And you, you, Zach Fortson, are talking up Lee Redman. I was going to say, like, how long does it take Vogue to pick an intern? But in fairness, that was like four days ago. Well, so Jamie Lee Curtis will be like, sorry, it took so long to get, for me to get back to you, but I've been eating too much yeah. gogurt. You been, know what I mean? Been on the toilet for a while. Uh, so Zach says, he finally kind of relents. He's like, I'm working the event, Ava, and I'm going to be passing out champagne. Uh, and she crosses her arms like this is still a win for her. And Zach says, but I'll see you later. And Ava says, does that mean free champagne for me? NYC, here we come. And he kind of smiles a little, walking away, but not wanting to, to stop looking at her. Uh, I should say stop her. Hmm. Uh, not wanting to stop looking at her. He's, kind of, he's doing that dorky thing guys do when uh, they're a little smitten. 
So mm-hmm. in, in the break between filming episodes eight and nine here, everyone's gotten like a different haircut. Zach's makes him look even more like he's 17 years old. He looks really young in this scene. Yeah. Uh, Ava kind of smiles as he goes and she does the, uh, the hair tuck of new romance. So first question, I mean, cause they haven't DTR'd, right? That's not even an R yet. But like, they, they they clearly have not fucked, right? No, no, they they kiss for the first time later in this episode. They're, this okay. is they're just kind of feeling each other out. It's obvious there's a thing, but none of them has really kind of commented on it yet. They're just hanging out more. That's why I'm like, I'm kind of like. Part of me was like later on. I think in the in your notes you talk about like bad season two theories, and I was like, what if in season two we find out Zach is seventeen? And I was like, oh whatever, that's that's gross. Um, go for it. Um, I've been rewatching Party Down and back to Roxanne Stathos on her Instagram. She talks about like her day job and that blew me away that she would have a day job because she's been on PLL The Perfectionist. And I thought about all. Yeah. And I was like, I thought about like, I'm here. I am watching Party Down where there are caterers who've like been on shows or people recognize them. Anyway, cut to Allie's place where Taylor's pacing, freaking out, very manic, chewing on a finger. Just awesome. Um, Allie walks in from what must be a kitchen of a platter of teacups. Again, season two note, not a single fucking scene where she walks in with something domestic. The pilot, she walks off to like put away, like freeze the pie or whatever. Come on. Um, well, Taylor's all like, the coffee for. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's some crumpets there in the, those other containers. Here's the, like the, here, like, like, again, I mentioned this the other, in the other last weeks or the week before podcast or whatever, like the, uh, the um, Irene Adler episode of Sherlock, the ending of that, the, the denouement is like tattooed on my fucking heart because mm. I'm a monster. You mean like the, that? Yeah. Was like, uh, that? No, no, no. Just the ending with the um, I am Sherlocked. Everything oh, right, leading right. to that. Just... That would be my only note to Allison De Laurentiis in season two of this show. Be more Irene should... Adler. Yeah, you should be more Irene Adler. Like, um, like this scene needs to be played like. Like she knows Claire is going to stop by, you know, like that's how fucking good she is at being Allison. But that's not what happens here. Just just Taylor, a little like, reminder to Allison that uh, you're Allison fucking De Laurentiis. Yeah. You yeah. Planes. I don't know. Like what if she just hung a mask of her own face on the wall mm-hmm. and she's just like, yeah, that's my fucking decor. I mean, God damn it. I've got a framed portrait of Allison on my like shelf over here. Why doesn't she have a picture of her badass icon self on the wall? Anyway, Taylor's like, every minute we don't hear from Jeremy feels like a lifetime. I need this to be over. She glanced over Alice and she's like, for Nolan, not for me. Alice's like, eh. Um, Allison's like, well, you need to figure out a way to put this on the back burner until Caitlin gets the text. Taylor's like, I don't know if I can do that. Alice's like, you can't because we don't have a choice. I'm the boring moral center of the show now for some reason. Doorbell rings. Allie's like, I'll get that. We hear her walk off, open the door. Um, and who should step in, of course, when the but a stern Claire Hotchkiss. Allie, follow, Allie follows, very wary. And Claire's like, Taylor, what happened? What are you doing? I mean, she's standing there in a friend's house, but whatever. It's not obvious. And Taylor's like, how did you know where I, where I was? How did you know I was here? And Claire says nothing, but her slumped shoulders tells Taylor everything. And she's like, am I on on active surveillance. So Allie looks up like, huh, what's that? Is that a thing? Taylor's like, I'm your daughter. And Claire's like, who just came back from the dead? So Allison's like, would you like some tea, Claire? And Claire shoots her a look like, fuck off. 
<laughs> yeah, I love how uh, Taylor kind of gives her this look of warning, you know, just yeah. like, mm, careful. <laughs> yeah, well, like, it's, it's, it's there. I had to go back and rewatch this after I read your notes because yeah. my, my focus was on the look Claire gives her. Mm-hmm. So Allie just like swallows her tongue, looks away, like getting the message. You two need this time. I'll just stand here. Um, Claire's like, you disappeared for hours today, refusing to return my calls or my texts. All the lies and the covering up. She lowers her voice. She's like, you said this wouldn't happen again. And it is. Taylor's like, this isn't like last time. I'm eating. I'm sleeping. I'm fine. So Allison raises an eyebrow like, what is this cryptic reference to some time when Taylor was having capital H, a problem of capital P? I love her. It seems uh, like we've been hearing a lot in the last few episodes about last time and mm-hmm. before and it's happening again. Yeah. Hashtag Taylor's got a gun. Eh, interesting scene. I yeah. I feel like these... These actors all play well off each other here. I mean, I, Taylor's really the straw that stirs the drink because she's the live wire. That used to be you, Allie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, which is why I can see that you're attracted to her, Allison. But again, like I said last week, there's a potentially like very interesting emotional story <laughs> between um, Claire and, and Taylor. And it's like we're seeing it this week, but we haven't seen it all this season. Well, we've barely gotten any Claire. Um, yeah, can yeah. we assume that all the main characters are already on active surveillance? Because why wouldn't they be? Seriously, why wouldn't they be? If, I mean, active surveillance for who, though? Like, is it just a report that goes to Claire? Because presumably, like, Booker for sure has them all on active surveillance. Right. To me, active surveillance would mean somebody's tailing them instead of just, like, passive would be, like, the cameras. But I don't know. I, I Maybe think it just means a computer books. program that says like pay attention to these people specifically or something. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's that. Anyway, meanwhile at the mom's mansion, Claire walks in with her backpack and notices with a shock that Dana Booker is over. She turns to face Caitlin, just the as a big distortion note plays on the score. It's like you know, Caitlin's mother yep. is not happy. The entertainment center drawer is slid open and that bag of money is on the couch. And Caitlin kind of takes us all in, looks around and steals herself. And Well, amateur hour move. She looks right at where the money's supposed to be. Well, I mean, you're kind of busted. Booker's staring her down like a shark who smells blood. And Caitlin's mom is like, start talking. Caitlin tries to remain calm, swallows and says nothing as we go to commercial. (laughs) I just, I would love it if Caitlin's mom was like, upon discovering this, it's just like, I was never here. I'm still in, in Washington and just like leaves. Yeah. I can't be involved in this. (laughs) <laughs> throw down a smoke bomb yeah. too. Um, on the After Buzz podcast, Norman's joke was that the reason the mom even discovered it, she was like, why have my Frank Sinatra records been moved? <laughs> so after the break, Booker's gone. Caitlin's voice is hoarse. We're still in the, the mom's mansion living room. You know, Caitlin's voice is hoarse. Like there's been some shouting. And Caitlin's like, why was she here? Did you call her? And Senator Caitlin's mom is like, don't turn this back on me, Caitlin. This is Ms. Booker called because she was concerned about you. Caitlin's face is just like, mm, bullshit. Caitlin's mom is like, and for now, she's doing us a favor, keeping your name out of this mess, which only helps me. For some reason, Caitlin's reluctant to tell her mom that Booker has been harassing her for weeks, might have run her over of a car. There's a pig man out there. I mean, talk about it. For some reason, no one is like, hey, adults, let me tell you about what a shithead Booker's been being. Well, also, here's the weird thing about Caitlin. She's written as if she's used to having privilege but no power. 
whereas the Hodges family has both. I presume that Senator Caitlin's mom is not like poor, you know. I presume they, that like they have like a mansion, right? They have a mansion, so it's like like start throwing some of that influence around. Anyway, Caitlin's like, I'm going upstairs. Her mom cuts her off. Apparently, there's an upstairs. Of course, there's an upstairs. It's, it's a mansion. Caitlin's mom is like, not before telling me where you got that money. And very lamely, Caitlin's like, I I never saw it before today. Ken's mom was like, I can't believe it's become so easy for you to lie, me, lie to me. This is not who we are. Kane's like, it's exactly who we are. Or have you come to clean them all about your affair? And this is like the point that Caitlin should be running from this point on. But her mom's, fa- her mom's face falls, points to Caitlin. Caitlin's mom was like, you're coming with me to D.C. after the, the gala. Ken's like, I can't miss school. Ken's mom's like, no, I mean, you're coming with me to live. I'll call Georgetown. We'll get you in the next semester. Ken's like, that's a little extreme, don't you think? Her mom says, your behavior is extreme, Caitlin. Your mother and I have been worried about you. I mean, for God's sakes, your boyfriend was murdered. You were hit by a car. You befriended a criminal. Now you're hiding stolen money for her? What is going on with you besides being a very good politician's kid? Um... Which, by the way, keep it up, Caitlin. You'll be a Kennedy in no time. Yeah, really. Caitlin's just like, have I been in the press? No, shut up. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Or like some kind of story like that's money's obviously for my abortion. You don't know. Boom. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Mom just throws down another smoke bomb. Shoot. I can't hear that. Yeah. I have no spine. I'm a Democrat. Yeah. I'm what's her name? Collins, who believes that Brett Kavanaugh is going to uphold Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Even though clearly the other states are emboldened, as if he's not. Um, her mom starts to tear up like this is a her cross to bear. Caitlin's not an adult in her eyes. And Caitlin's mom is like, talk to me, please. Caitlin's like, I, I can't. So her mom's face hardens. And she says, then it's settled. And she walks off. This is high school storyline shit being afflicted on a, co- a character who's in college. It just like, man, this sure would have made a whole lot more sense if this character was a high school student. For this to be happening in college, like it just it doesn't track very well, like I for mean, for either me, of them really. Yeah, it's embarrassing for both characters. You're telling me she can't leverage the affair on her mom. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, Arya would like, have done that. Do you remember the episode of PLO where Mona teaches Hannah how to lie? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it it doesn't help that over the past like year or two, we've seen a lot of senators on TV and various hearings and whatnot. We've seen some. Mm-hmm. Some you know Klobuchar's and and Hirano's and Gillibrands and Kamala Harris and it's like we've seen some steel you know it's like yeah yeah, yeah. come on Caitlin's mom give me give me something yeah yeah seriously I mean I want to hear Caitlin's mom just got here from like making like the uh, AG like cry yeah <laughs> yeah it, it just made Michael Cohen piss his pants in the hearing. I just I just issued a subpoena that's going to put the uh, treasurer secretary in jail. Yeah. Um, but like imagine a scene where like Mona sits Caitlin down and she's just like, look, I don't like you, fake Spencer, but I'm going to teach you how to leverage and blackmail. So cut to the fabulous gala or gala or gala. I guess I say I gala. gala. I say gala. Yeah. Uh, which appears to be happening in an old elementary school in a random street in Beaverton or something. Uh, some funky beats are playing on the soundtrack here. There's a sign. It's the afternoon, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's the afternoon. There's a sign for valet parking out on the curb of this quiet suburban street as an affordable and roomy Toyota Corolla pulls up. Mona gets out wearing a fabulous leopard print fur coat over her red dress. 
She has to exchange keys and a ticket with the valet with the trunk of the car prominently displayed right in the middle of the shot to show us that Toyota logo. Drives an XSE. Which is crazy to me because it's not the first time that we don't see her rear license plate like Toyota thing. I feel like Mona could do better than a Corolla. Am I wrong? Like you couldn't even spring for a Lexus for her. That's a Toyota car. I want to see Mona get in a huge car. Like something that makes Janelle Paris look even smaller. If Mona, like I want to see her like get in like a Humvee. If Mona drove a Lexus, no one bats an eye. But a Corolla? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a Corolla is how she blends in at the normals. Yeah. So she, I feel like even on PLL, she drove like a Mercedes or something. Uh, she mm. walks up to the building and shares a secret smile with Mason, who's just kind of standing oh. outside with his lame bros. I just realized maybe she's just gotten back from a carpool karaoke video of Sophia Carson at Sydney Park. Maybe. Uh, so they, uh, as she passes Mason, they kind of sneak a hand caress as she goes. And then inside the gala, what appears to be like a sound stage with some red curtains hung up. Uh, there's like a TV slideshow that tells us uh, what's old is new, which is the theme of this shindig. Uh, and it's the BHU campus renovations fundraiser. Do these rich ass school campuses really need like fundraisers for renovations? No, I don't know. Need no, but will you take <laughs> will them? They? Yeah, that's how the rich stay rich. Make yeah, somebody else yeah. pay for it. Yep. Uh, so inside, Mona mingles through the crowd, and we catch snippets of interactions as she passes by various people. Uh, Claire is introducing Taylor to someone. Taylor's decked out in a smoking black evening dress of her own. It's kind of similar cut to Mona's, but like a kind of gauzy like neck thing happening. Shorter though. Yeah, uh, Claire. I mean, I don't think Taylor's is as kind bust-wise, but yeah. Well, it's it's a different cut up top, it's I guess. But yeah, it's, it's got that weird kind of deep little cleavage thing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Claire says, Jennifer, you know my daughter Taylor? And Taylor says, oh, of course, Mrs. Gersten Blatt. Congratulations on your Pulitzer. She's really come a long way from uh, her days at Rosewood High. So to clarify that, this was who Allison was meeting with in the spinoff back in the finale, or about the spinoff in the finale. Um, now she's here on the other side of the country. What do you mean about the spinoff? I, I, that's a joke I made. I looked at my okay. notes from when we did, because it's not like I remember our recording the finale episode. But no. like that was the joke that I made was that she was meeting with Jen Gerstenblatt about a, any kind of spinoff <laughs> in the finale. Looks like it worked out. Yeah. Uh, so then as Mona passes, we hear Claire say Oscarina, and thank you for your generous donation. Oh, I guess Pulitzer Prize comes with some money you can throw around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's her alma mater, I guess. I mean, clearly they're I, I guess Mrs. Durstenblatt went to uh, BHU. And they're clearly talking about a season two, right? That's, that's what the donations are for? Yeah. Uh, Mona has passed by that group. She's found Allie kind of lounging with an arm on a high bar table, dressed in kind of a cleavagey black number. Uh, nearby, Dana Booker uh, kind of checks out Mona with a sneer. It's, just, it's like a full-on checkout where like her eyes go up and down. Mm-hmm. And then the camera's kind of following her away as uh, Dana walks somewhere else. So is Allie like, standing at that table to try to like listen in on Booker or something? Like It's Maybe. weird that they would be that close to each other. Which is kind of pathetic because they're both just sitting there like trying to check out what other people are doing. Uh-huh. Allie's also like, I've been here for 20 minutes and I've had four drinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also why do any students come to this i'm confused but sure what the fuck is this gal like why why were students coming i mean at least dylan was kind of working the thing in the pilot yeah and um what's his face uh zach is working this and yeah but ava what, what was it doing at the thing of the pilot yeah 
Also, like Ali, Mona, and Taylor have reasons to be here. Yeah. Caitlin, yeah, maybe because her mom's going. There's really right, no right. reason for Ava and Dylan to be there. Oh, well, Ava just showed up. I mean, maybe she's just Ava. crashing. She met Ava. Yeah, she just shows up. Yeah. She's getting a free champagne. So anyway, Dana moves over to find uh, Dylan nearby. He's dressed in a suit, and Booker's just like, uh, You clean up well. Why'd you bother? You know you're out of here, unless you have something to tell me. And Dylan says, well, What's going to happen when we prove you wrong? And his smile's a little too confident, makes Booker suspicious. She says, What are you trying to say? And the bartender arrives at this drink. Is that is alcoholic, maybe? Like, do they card here? What if she just threw him out of the gala for underage drinking just to be petty? Yeah, she should have. I mean, she seems like yeah. the kind of person who'd do it. Seriously. Uh, and then Dylan says, Wait for it, Dana. Oof. What does that mean? Like, that's. That's, uh, that's like Marlene's talk catchphrase. About writing, uh, talk about writing a fucking check that you can't cash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I waited for it, Dylan. You're talking about that dead British guy. I mean, cool. Like I guess me, dead British guys are a dime a dozen. <laughs> you want a dead British guy? I'll get you dead British guy by three o'clock this afternoon exactly. with nail polish. With, with whatever the hell Daniel Craig wore in the Bond Twenty Five press conference, <laughs> wearing a tactile neck. Yeah. Uh, so Dana watches him go suspicious. We get a kind of classic Norman Buckley wide pan of the party. There's like a string of lights hanging from the top of the frame. So we see everyone mingling. Caitlin's walking in with her mother. She's got a kind of a nearly backless blue evening dress on. I guess blue is Caitlin's good. color. She looks good. She's been wearing a lot of blue. Yeah. Why so blue, Caitlin? Uh, so, so uh, yeah, she's Dylan, shows Dylan shows, says, You look gorgeous, moi. And they like kiss cheeks like they're in an old movie. And Caitlin's like, Thank you. And he says, Hi. And Caitlin's mom's just like, Who is this handsome young man? And Caitlin says, Mom, this is Dylan Walker. And Dylan says, Pleasure to meet you, Senator, no first name. And they shake hands. And her mom says, Caitlin hasn't told me about you, Dylan. Are you two seeing each other? Which is a pretty forward question. You're a politician. Uh, and Caitlin's just like, uh, and Dylan just goes, I'm gay. Boom, in your face, Caitlin's mom. And then she's like, out and proud, good for you, which to me, this really seemed phony. Like, this mom is purported to be a lesbian, but like, she has a weird, I feel like she has a similar reaction to this that she had to meeting Ava, where it's like yeah. she's thrown or something, which I found bizarre. But she's more polite about it here, she's but yeah. More she's, polite, she's, but it's still just like, oh. She's either a lesbian or bisexual, depending on your your concerns of bi erasure in the show. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it seemed like a weird moment. Like it's, it's mm. like did the writers forget or something? Like uh, you didn't need to write it this way. Yeah, like yeah. you didn't need to have this exchange. Yeah, it just it came off as like she's just like being condescending and a politician when it's like, but you like you're out too, Caitlin's mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Presumably, that's a big part of your story. Yeah. As a politician. Yeah. So Dylan says, thank you. And then he's rescued, or he's, well, yeah, he's rescued because Claire is pulling uh, Caitlin's mom away. And Claire says, Senator Park Lewis, I want you to meet Brian Leonard. He's a big supporter of yours. And then Caitlin, in a low, low voice, to Dylan says, I need your help. And she nods behind her and pulls him back to talk elsewhere. They kind of huddle in a corner. And Dylan says, Did you hear from Jeremy? And Caitlin says, No, where's Ava? And Dylan says, She's looking for the Vogue lady. Uh, and he kind of looks around and spots her. There she is. Cut to Ava walking up in some kind of weird, like sparkly black and like, I don't know, like carnation print dress that has the same bad shoulders she's all, always wearing. Like, is is Sophie Carson, is she like insecure about not having broad shoulders or something? Like, is this just the style? And we don't know that because we don't follow fashion. I don't know. I don't know what's up with the shoulders. 
It seems like she her shoulders look just fine when she's wearing normal human being clothes. Yeah. Like the the sweater she wore before she went yeah. like was like she looked good in that outfit. Yeah, I don't understand all the weird shoulder pads and, and shoulder situations happening. I mean the the funeral dress seemed to be more less about mourning and more about look at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dressing like she comes from Naboo or something. Yeah, uh, seriously. So Caitlin says, we need to talk quickly. And Ava says, did you hear from Jeremy? Caitlin says, no, Ava, I'm sorry. And she's like, what happened? What's wrong? Caitlin says, Dana has your money. And Ava's like, what? Caitlin says, I didn't say a word, but she knows it's yours. Now, for some reason, no one is curious as to how Booker found it. Or like that you might have played right into her fucking hand. Yeah. Uh, Dylan says, without that stolen money, you can't stay at BHU. I like how he points out that it's stolen. Uh, Ava says, forget college. Spending stolen money is a federal offense. I could go to jail. I mean, yeah, you could. Uh, Dylan says, is there no fingerprints on the money or the bag itself? I'm sure they could list some. Uh, Mm. Dylan says, Dana obviously hasn't turned it in or else he'd already be in jail. And they kind of look over at Booker, who's standing all alone like a loser. And Dylan says, maybe there's a way to get it back. Caitlin says, I'll find a way to help you, Ava. But right now, you guys need to help me. And Dylan nods. She says, my mom's yanking me out of here as soon as she's kissed all the right asses. And Ava's like, what? Caitlin says, and that might be before Jeremy calls. Ava says, should we leave and hide out until we hear from him? And Dylan says, maybe you should call and poke the bear. So Caitlin does, no luck. And she sighs. She's like, ah, voicemail. And then the phone she says, Jeremy, it's me. I'm getting nervous. Call me, please. She hangs up. So we cut to a random simple table desk somewhere in a dim room. Uh, there's a hole in the wall. Like this might be bare concrete. This is a classic like mysterious antagonist like A layer we shot. We've had lots of like campus renovations, old campus type stuff. So maybe that's where it is. Yeah. I mean, but like this is like classic. I feel like we saw this like kind of interstitial scene multiple times in like season six yeah. or whatever but on the table is a computer on the screen is a list of names from mona's program that someone modified see caitlin park lewis allison de Laurentis, ray hagedorn and now new names are being added as we track it on the computer we have ava jalali dylan walker mona vanderall taylor hotchkiss and then the thing that says list completed cut to black so basically the whole main cast and ray um, and Ray Hogardorn. Uh, <laughs> also, Mona, second to last. What is this list? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, they all got added at once. For some reason, something happened. Like, I don't know. Is it an action that they just took put them on this list? What does yeah. this list mean? We don't know. I'm just all for Ray Hogardorn being part of the main cast in season two. Yeah. If there's a season two. Why has there not been an announcement yet? That's crazy to me. The upfronts have come and gone. Anyway. So we're after commercial. We're back at the gala. We're seeing a bunch of like sped up, slow down footage of like randos mingling. We see Ava's like watching Booker and Claire's talking. Poor Claire is stuck of Booker's dead weight all evening because her cop doesn't know anyone else at the party. Um, Ava's like, it's weird that she hasn't said anything about it. Why isn't she arresting me or something? Well, number one, Ava, because she can't. She's not an actual law enforcement official. Um, Caitlin's like, it's a mind game. She's like a cat playing with a mouse before she eats it. And Dylan's like, we really need Jeremy to confess to killing, uh, 
Nolan are tonight, or none of us are going to be here tomorrow. I'm super Brit. I'm super Southern right now. The other two like glared at him for some reason. Like, thanks, Mister Exposition. And then back to Booker and Claire. Booker says, "We also have audio. There's no doubt." And Claire says, "Thank you." She sips her wine. Sounds like Mona just got dimed out. Booker says, "It's my job." Claire sets her glass down and prepares to terminate. She walks over to the table where Mona's talking to Allie. And Allie says, well, do you say gala or gala? And uh, Claire says, will you excuse us, Allison? She kind of stares her down from behind Mona. It's not a request. Mona looks a little worried as Allie fucks off. Allie's like, of course. And Mona turns to face Claire and Mona's like, everything okay? Claire says, no, Mona, things are not okay. I just found out that a (laughs) member of my staff is having an inappropriate relationship with a student. And Mona's like, really? She's trying to play it cool, but Claire sees right through it. And she just says, you're terminated. And Claire pieces out. Mona is gutted like she even needs this job. The fucking gall of letting Ezra Fitz get away with his crimes unpunished for seven seasons and then immediately making Mona feel immediate retribution after like a single episode. Like what a betrayal of her character. Mona would never and would certainly never be caught. Disgusting. Also, it's Mona. She doesn't need this job. Like, her contingency plans have contingency plans. Well, it's like, oh, sure, we let Fitz slide for seven seasons, but look, we just addressed the issue. Give us a clap clap on the back or something for it now. It's yeah, like, no, yeah, you like, you get no rewards. But yeah. also, like, again, this scene, it's part one of a two part finale or whatever. Mona should be like, no, Claire, now we fucking talk. Yeah. <laughs> Time to tell you about who you work for. Yeah, seriously. Like she's like slides an envelope across the table. Um, elsewhere at the party, Allie's found Taylor stewing and she's like, Taylor, I hope it's okay for me to ask, but what was your mom talking about earlier? That wasn't about you faking your death, was it? Taylor's like, after my father was murdered, I created Beacon Guard. And Allison's like straight up frowning. She's like, You created Beacon Guard. Taylor says, to keep people safe. So Allison gets it. She's like, Oh, if people know that they're being watched they'll behave and taylor's like exactly well this show directly disproves the hypothesis continuously um, well, it's, it's such weird a, it's like casual this, yeah there's a weird casual acceptance of a surveillance state situation on the show especially for somebody like Allie who was harassed by a for years and she's like oh that makes sense that's fine yeah people won't mind if they're being know. harassed they'll behave I, I don't know if she's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Or if she's just saying, oh, I get that. That's your thinking. But she hasn't. She's never really pushed back on it other than like no, she's plugging the he, box at one time. Again, we don't know what the fuck because there's it's so rushed. It's like the show is like slow, 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 rushed, rushed, rushed. Hmm. Um, so Taylor's like when I saw that it was working out, I couldn't stop trying to make it even better. I, I, I stopped sleeping. I stopped eating. That's why my mom stepped in. She locked me out of Beacon Guard and Hotchkiss Technologies. And Allie's like, how old were you? Taylor's like, 14. And Allie's face is like, wow, these writers have got to be kidding me at this shit. 14? What? Taylor's like, I know, impressive. Till I fell down the rabbit hole. And her voice quivers. She looks away. This is her shame. And Allie's like, at that age, it's easy to get lost in something. She's like... Oh, yes, you're 14. You're full of hormones. You invent an AI-assisted surveillance system to predict human behavior. You just lose yourself. But try being 14 and cast as a 16-year-old in an ABC family TV show. Taylor's like, I was there. My dad was shot. 
you know, some sensitive synth starts to play on the score. Taylor reveals that she was that she shares basically an origin story with the Batman, played by Robert Pattinson. And Taylor's like, I remember holding his hand and the gunman, smell of gunpowder, blood. Mm. Again, just, if you just, want to hear more of Benjo's kinks, uh, that that bar, <laughs> eight p.m. next Friday. I just want Taylor to just be like. And then a pearl necklace broke and the pearls were bouncing and there was a gunshot fired. And I'm just basically talking about the killing joke now. Yeah. Yeah. There's one, one bad day. It's all it takes, but what's uh-huh. the fucking line about, uh, and from Batman, there are absolutes. <laughs> I just remember, do you plead? Yeah, you will. Man, oh that was my a God. bad line. What if Claire's name was actually Jessica? The link later, she could be like Jessica, and she's like, "Why did you say that name?" <laughs> Stupid. Um, Taylor's like, "I saw it all, and I still see it every day. I had no choice but to create Beacon Guard. It was my calling. That's why I was there that day, and I lived. I still couldn't save my brother." So Allie's like taking all this like extremely fucked up shit in, and again. This is episode nine out of 10. We waited this long to know who Taylor was. We didn't even know her name until the pilot, though we, we knew well, her did name. We, did we need to wait this long to know that she created Beacon Guard? I don't know. Maybe. No. It just seems no. odd. No. I mean, like, we're not even getting the whole thing of like, I'm sorry, Allison. I wanted to tell you earlier, but I met you and you were looking for me and I wanted you to like me. You know, there's not even like that. Like there's not even like the reason for the lying for Allison to be like, listen, Taylor, when you told me you already regretted it or whatever. And so I was like, you couldn't save him, but we will bring his killer to justice. And Taylor's like, I know I'm Batman. So the, the so, popular theory here is that Taylor killed her dad in like a blackout. And Claire covered it up and maybe also covered up Nolan's death too to protect Taylor. And that that's why, She's so oddly, I don't know, maternal or not paternal, but like uh, controlling with Taylor. It's because it's like she's doing it for her own good. Taylor's committed crime. She doesn't realize she did because she's crazy or something. And Claire is just like trying to cover that up. It seems almost too obvious and boring to me, but maybe that's where they're going. Which makes me think that if there was a season two, I almost wouldn't be shocked if we saw something or was a reveal that no one, quote unquote, survived. Yeah. And then found out that he was like a Taylor hallucination. Yeah. Uh, how how could mean, he like, be a Taylor hallucination if everyone saw him dead? Clones? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows, man? Yeah. Clones, Pigman. Over at the bar. Mona Over stomps bar. up and orders uh, whiskey, neat. And Dickbag Mason is lurking nearby and decides this is a good time to go rub against her. And he's just like, hey, and puts a hand on her ass. And Mona kind of freaks out and pushes him away. She's like, stop. And she takes off. We kind of follow her uh, in front of her as she kind of amusingly keeps bumping into people in the cross traffic as we're like going through the party. It's a pretty funny little shot there. Mason's trying to follow her. And he's like, hey, hey. Mona finally kind of makes it to a quiet place and uh, part of the, the uh, party there. It takes a pain breath. Not her safe place. Yeah, not her safe place. And Mason says, what's going on? And Mona says, this was a mistake. My mistake. And he's like, did I do something wrong? Mona says, no, but I did. Don't call me. This ends now. She takes off, leaving him in shock. And we never saw Mason again because he probably fucking killed himself. Mason Gregory is trash. Elsewhere, Ava has just cornered Jamie Lee Curtis's Seastra. Also, Mona's breakups are just as efficient in a sexy way. Just like Claire's skill letting people go. I just hope that's it. 
Also, he's wearing a plaid suit. What the fuck? Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. So JLC. Okay. Uh, yeah, JLC's Seastra from Vogue uh, is being harangued by uh, Ava here with the most boring conversation ever. Uh, Ava says, my focus has changed since I initially applied for the internship. I'm embracing the reality of life being messy. And it's reflected in my designs and in who I am. The lady nods. She's bored. Ava looks up and spots a 17-year-old Zach there serving some alcohol as a waiter. Uh, he's got a tray full of champagne fleets. Then he looks over and we see another group of ladies nearby. And he was just like, oh, my God, that's Lee Redmond. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. A friend of mine needs help. I'll be right back. And Vogelay is just like, thank God I'm free. Like, why would she even be here for this? Here's my theory. What if she's not really the Vogue lady? Because it's like it's either Allison or Zach who mentioned the Vogue editor was here at the fashion show. But what if they were wrong and she's just some lady? Yeah. So Ava just shows up and she keeps talking about her Vogue internship. And this lady's like, oh, okay, you're going to intern at Vogue? That's cool. Have you tried Gogurt? <laughs> makes you go. <laughs> it makes you go a lot. It makes you push. All right. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Uh, so she goes over to Zach and says, go talk to her. And Zach says, sure. Do I leave with champagne, Mrs. Redmond? And Ava says, give me that. She takes a tray of champagne for him. Just fucking score, man. Uh, yeah. Ava says, don't waste your shot. It might not happen again. He still hesitates. And Ava says, lead with your passion. You wear it on your sleeve, Zach. And then tenderly, she says, just be yourself and talk to her about your art. I'll cover for you. She's Emily's dream girl. And Ava straightens his tie, puts a hand on his shoulder, and says, now, go get us an exhibition. I believe in you. And then what the hell? Zach's going to lead with his passion and take a shot here. He goes in for a kiss. Kid knows how to read a room. It's a long kiss, and they break apart. Ava's delighted, and she's just like, go. And she pushes, pushes him towards uh, Lee Redmond there. And yeah, he walks off with the, the confidence of Han Solo. And Great shot, kid. I can't imagine what he's going to say to this lady. Ava kind of smiles and smells her hair. She's very satisfied. She picks up that tray of booze and walks off with it. Fucking score, man. Where is she taking that booze? Like, just set that down. You don't need to carry that. Um, so now it's time for Dylan to try to sweet talk Claire. So he walks up to her and he's like, Mizochkis. She turns, she sees him. She gives him a really little man look as she walks over. He's like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Uh, I just wanted you to know that I, I never did anything to hurt Noel. And she's like, that it? Bad start. Real bad start. Um, Dylan's like, I know that you are just you are the deciding vote in the ethics committee, and she's like, and you want me to vote in your favor? And he says, I know what I did was wrong, and I accept full responsibility for that. Staying at BHU means everything to me. Everything to me. I worked hard to get here, and Clara's like, stop. She shakes her head. How dare you ask me for anything? If Dana Booker is right about you, being expelled from BHU will be the least of your problems. And he's like, and what if she's wrong? Which really how you should have led. Um, instead, he just nods. Claire walks off, full self-righteousness. Um, if he were to accept responsibility, wouldn't that include being kicked out by the ethics committee? I don't know. Maybe. So then Andrew walks up. I guess they let him out of the dorm apartment for this for this one episode. And Andrew's like, I saw you talking to Claire. Any luck? Dylan's like, no. Andrew's like, did you know that Mr. Hale? Hmm. The conductor of the Seattle Symphony is here. Dylan's like, he is? Where? So he adjusts his tie and looks over at some silver-haired guy in a tux. I guess this guy came direct from conducting a symphony, which, hey, 
Maybe they had a morning show. I don't know, because it's the afternoon right now. It's certainly not evening. And Andrew's like, hang tight. I have a plan B, and I'm going to make sure it happens. And Dylan's like, what? So Andrew gives him a quick peck. Um, Dylan's like, I love you. And he walks right up to the DJ on the stage, grabs the mic. This is Andrew. And the music shuts off of a squeal of feedback. Andrew's like, ladies and gentlemen, esteemed guests. Um, you mentioned that the, the LOL of the DJ staring at this guy like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and Andrew's like, I'm sorry to interrupt the evening. Afternoon! But I promise you, the piece you are about to hear is special. And it was composed by a BHU still student, Dylan Walker. So some lady in the crowd goes, ooh, like this is delightful. And people were like clap, even though this is a total douche chill moment. Douche chill. So Dylan's song for Andrew starts playing somewhere. Um, presumably Andrew like still has the flash drive and just like stuck it into, I don't know, something or gave it to the DJ or something. Claire's like this disgusted look on her face. So Andrew like steps off the stage, like greets the conductor. And he's like, hi, you must be Mr. Lucy Hale. I'm Andrew Villarreal. Um, and you mentioned that this might be the writers trying to write all the characters out of college for the next season. <laughs> it's weird. Like, what are they doing exactly here? Is this like the, a fake, fake out type thing? Or is this real? Like, we're trying to get them out of, uh, you know, the, the like, free them up a little so that college isn't an issue. I mean, like, that's a good question. Like, is BHU the location? And it's like season four and five, we have new perfectionists or or what? We just follow these characters everywhere. Like they just always live in mysterious Beacon Heights. Good question. Um, meanwhile, Caitlin just got a text from Jeremy. The river, one hour. She retreats and grabs Dylan as he's listening to his own music. And Caitlin's whispering. She's like, hey, Dylan, it's time to go. He gnaws the stage and he's like, now. Um, she pulls him onto the corner and waves to the others. And Ken's like, guys, hey. Mona and Ava come over. And Ken's like, Allison. Allie ditches the person she was talking to and joins them, which just cracks me up. Because it's like, I don't know who this extra is, this this featured player, but they seem to be having like a real conversation. <laughs> like the, yeah. the one real conversation Allison's ever had of someone other than Mona on staff or whatever. And Allie's like, where's Taylor? You know, look around. They spot Taylor like like walking up to her mom in a hurry. And Mona's like, there she is. <laughs> So cut to Taylor talking to Claire. Taylor says, am I crazy or did I just see Dr. Benson? Hmm. Claire says, I spoke with him earlier today and he thinks it would be a good idea for you to spend some time at the retreat. You're leaving after the party. Uh, so like, is Taylor like a ward in conservatorship or something? Uh, Taylor, she's got to be in her mid twenties. Like, uh, anyway, Taylor says, what? No, no, I'm not. I'm not going back there. Uh, Claire says, don't make this difficult. We're all very concerned about you. Taylor says, like I said, no. And Claire says, please don't make a scene. The one who will be most embarrassed is you. No, I think it'll be you, Claire. Uh, yeah. then Booker sidles up and is like, can I be of assistance? Just fuck off, Booker. Uh, Taylor looks over at the gang, kind of shakes her head like, no, warning them off. Mona's like, what's going on? And Ava says, guys, we got to go. Dylan says, Ava's right. Let's, and he kind of retreats the exit. And now he's like, wait, something's wrong. I don't feel right about leaving Taylor behind. Because I love her. Yeah, Caitlin says, He's not going to wait for me, Allison. This is our only, or this is our one chance. So we go back to Taylor and her mom, and Taylor says, you know what? You're right. I'll go now. Claire smiles because she got her way, and Taylor walks off. Her mom and Booker No co-chair speech. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think Allie is the one who says, Taylor's leaving. Let's go. And they all take off, and we kind of pan up over the crowd as we see them walking out the back and cut to commercial. 
So our leads are coming up from what seems to be the basement level of this building out into the parking lot. It is daytime. It's like overcast 4 p.m. And I'm being generous there. Um, Allie and Mona lead her into the car. Mona will drive because it's her Toyota. Allie will sit up front with her because they are the OGs. Pillows up front, perfs in the back. It's and it's daylight. And now, because I guess we needed one more dramatic beat, Caitlin, who was very understanding of how we need to go, 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 is suddenly having a feelings crisis, getting all panicky, weepy in the rear. So Ava, Ava looks back, sees that Caitlin's like lagging, and Ava's like, Kate, you okay? Caitlin's like crying, and she's like, I, 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 I shove things to the side of my brain where I don't see or feel anything. It's how I keep going. It's the Park Lewis way, and it works. But right now, it feels like there's a truck parked on my chest. I can't breathe. Dylan's there, and he's like, we're here for you, Caitlin. All right? You're not facing him alone. I need to stop doing that. That's terrible. <laughs> um, it was like, the best thing for Jeremy now is for him to do the right thing and confess and take the fall for me. Hi, I'm the killer. Um, she cries some more. Caitlin does. And Caitlin's like, it feels like we've all lost everything. Like, it's the penultimate episode of the season. Ava's money. Dylan's leaving. I'm leaving. Ava's also leaving. And Ava's like, you're right. It does look like we lost everything. Looks like we failed. But there's still a finale episode to come. Until now, I've never had friends like you guys. Dylan smiles at this. He says, mumble, 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 mumble. Um, Ava's like like friends who feel like family. Um, you pointed out that Marlene said on Twitter, this is apparently the theme of the show. I feel like she's been like subtly seeding that on social media for a while through Twitter and Instagram stories. I mean, sure. Fine. I don't know. It's a lot. of shows are about friends who feel like family, you know, it's the theme of boogie nights. One of my favorite movies. Um, yeah. Dylan's like, Ava's right. We will get through this together. Ken's like, I love you guys. They're such good friends now after these like two weeks of hanging out together. And I ask you, what if we just got another shot of them? Like throwing packing peanuts at each other. Why not? Why not? Um, so they fucking group hug. I mean, but at Mona this point, like up. steer into it, you know? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> That's just, why isn't that like the, uh, the part of like the new shot of the credits, <laughs> but no, they're, they're group hugging. Mona's like, no, no, fuck this CW bullshit. This isn't Katie Keene. What the hell? This is PLL bitches. Well, let's go. So she gestures to the Toyota. They all get in. The others follow. We cut to another close up of the trunk and then the Toyota logo, like, logo again as Mona peels out and races away. And again, I just want to ask Norman if there were like notes from the network about like Toyota, we need more Toyota. You want that Toyota money. You got to have so many shots of the logo. Yeah. Every time you flash Toyota, we get $10,000. So later, later, uh, they've driven to a wooded area. The river's nearby and a boat launch kind of leads down to a long dock there. We hear crows cause the liars and perfectionists get out of the car. Ava says, so where's Jeremy? Dylan says, you sure that this is the right spot? Caitlin says, yeah, I mean, he should be on his way. And then we hear the hum of a boat engine in the background. Allie turns to see a speedboat racing along the river towards them as a James Bond Jr. is making his entrance in style. And Allie says, he's here. And Caitlin says, okay, um, you guys should hang back. I, I don't want to get him spooked. So the others kind of like run away and hide in their formal wear as Caitlin starts recording audio on her phone. Jeremy's piloting that boat up to the dock. Caitlin kind of steps out and walks down the pier to meet him. And kind of a cool crane shot that rises up above her. It's like a movie. It's very old Hollywood. She's walking out there. It's the shot from the credits. Well, speedboats. Yeah. A speedboat. So, I speedboats the kind of weirdness I like from this show. You know, yeah. because it's not like in a previous episode, Jeremy was just like, I hate boats. 
you know like, yeah, yeah. like it's like sure he could have a boat well why not it seems like there's a much easier way he could have shown up there's a different location they could have done this on i i kind of am glad that they did this because it's so whatever it's new we haven't yeah. seen this before and it's outside of beacon guard yeah yeah that sounds um, nice presumably Presumably. So meanwhile, a black SUV is coming around the corner on the road. Dylan off camera is like, hey, guys, so, so someone's coming. And Mona's like, who the hell is that? So they walk over to greet that SUV. Uh, back at the pier, Jeremy's parked the boat. is trying to, tying it up with his like ridiculous black gloves on the watch over them. And Caitlin waits at the water line. By the road, Taylor's getting out of a Riverwell Retreat Luxury Health and Wellness SUV. LOL. Uh, at this point, I really wanted it to be that she like murdered Doctor Benson and stole his car, <laughs> like the ending of Identity with John Cusack and Amanda Peet. Yeah, so I believe it's Mona. The ADR says Taylor. Taylor slams the door. She looks pissed, and Allie's like, "What happened?" And Taylor says, "My mom hired someone to take me to a spa for a rest. When you offer to go willingly, they're not expecting you to take off with their car." She seems particularly unhinged right now, and Allie tries to stop her. And Allie's like, "Wait, Caitlin has a better chance of getting him to confess and turn himself in if it's just her." So we go back down to the dock. Jeremy jogs up to Caitlin with his gloves and beanie hat on, dumb smile on his face. He really looks like he could be a different person after the production break. Mm. Uh, Caitlin tries to act happy, and he gives her a big hug and kisses the side of her head, and it takes him a few seconds to sense that something's amiss. And he says, whose cause that? And Caitlin says, Jeremy, and his face falls. He backs away, suspicious, betrayed. He says, you're not coming with me. Caitlin says, look, I think you should turn yourself in. I'll do whatever I can to help you. And Jeremy says, did you not hear what I told you in the car? If I tell the police what I did, then my life will be over. And so will yours, because you know what I did. You know, you know why I did it. And uh, I'm just not going to say what it is I did to drag this out for at least one more episode. And she takes a big breath, unable to believe what he's saying. He grabs her hands to hold them. Caitlin, just come with me, okay? And... Back to the other side, uh, others watching. Uh, Taylor has seen enough, and she's like, he's leaving. So she rushes off to the pier, and Allie's like, Taylor, wait, I love you. And the others all rush after her. At the pier, Jeremy's like, there's a plane waiting for us at an airship, and you would love London. And you thought that he's going to fly to jolly old Lincoln, Lincoln, England so, in a tiny prop plane, which would be funny. Um, it's Also, it's not like you can't get extradited from London. Yeah. Whatever. Caitlin's <laughs> like, no, I was really hoping you weren't going to try to leave. So the others are walking up behind her now, and he sees he's been fully betrayed. There's no spell that gets him out of this. He's, she backs away. Mona heads closer to the pier, but all the others like stop at the far end, further back. Taylor has her like hands conspicuously in her coat pocket. Taylor's She's just like, like not- who needs expel Aramis when you've got a gun? Yeah, seriously. You're not going anywhere. I brought a gun to a wand fight. And Ava's like, we all know what you did. And Jeremy to Caitlin's like, I trusted you. Caitlin's like, and I trusted you to do the right thing. And he just like turns and walks away. And Taylor pulls out her gat, aims at him. Caitlin's kind of like in the line of fire here. But Taylor's like, stop. And Mona looks over like, oh, fuck. Hashtag Taylor's got a gun. Caitlin's just like, Jeremy, please stop. And Allie maybe says, Taylor. And Dylan says, Taylor. Mona's like, don't do it. Jeremy like back turns back around, like walking backwards, looking at them, and blammo. Taylor blows him away, like gets him right in the chest, as if he's Spencer Hastings, fired up by, by a mysterious gun person. 
Maybe an inch from his heart to the right side. Good shot, Taylor. Take that, Newt Scamander. But whatever. I saw, I saw Spencer get shot. This, this is a, this, a rather good what a shot. Flesh wound. Like, this is, what a flesh wound. Like, uh, Caitlin was kind of in the way, you know? Yeah. Like, that's it's a pretty tight shot to make. And I don't know. I don't know if we're going to follow up on that later, why she's such a good shot or not. Whatever. I mean, like, I saw John Wick 3 last night with our friend Steve. He says hi, by the way. Yeah. It was boring. Um, oh. but like it reminded me of like, like how spoilers, man. Yeah, whatever. It reminded me kind of a bit of like how bad that movie Wanted is, where they could like bend bullets oh, around that corners. Sucked. Yeah, that movie sucked balls. But yeah, like like when they could bend bullets, like that's kind of what she did around Caitlin. But he kind of falls in this like hilarious, like slight slow motion. Okay, it's like Jeremy spoken last today. <laughs> yeah, so she runs to his body. The others are agape and shock. Allie comes up behind, crazed Taylor. She's sobered up now. <laughs> the pills have worn off. She tries to get her to calm down. Caitlin's like Jeremy. Oh, she's crying over his British body. Dylan's like, I'm calling nine one one. And Mona's like, What did What did you just do? Taylor still has the gun out. She's like, still got it pointed right at Jeremy. And Taylor's like, he was getting away. He was leaving. He was trying to leave and you saw it. Caitlin's like, oh my God. Taylor's like, he killed my brother and he was getting away. He was getting away with it. She's losing it. Like getting she, away with it. Yeah. Yeah. She, she might fire it again. Allie pulls Taylor's arms down, averting her aim. And Taylor, and Allie's like, Taylor, calm down. You're shaking. Caitlin's like, Jeremy, Jeremy. I feel like they've really given Sydney Park a lot of just like the crying scenes, maybe just because yeah. she's good at them. But I don't know. Give her something else. Give her more. I feel like Caitlin's, again, like I've talked about, documented, like Sydney Park was my favorite for a while. And I feel like they've just really pivoted her. It's like the the not good end of the spectrum it here. Just, it's like, oh, you're you're good at doing big emotional cries, so that's all you're going to get this season. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you don't get to have fun, Caitlin. Sorry. Like, let her be like the weird, nerdy academic type. Anyway, um, Mona looks from Caitlin and Jeremy to the others. She's stunned. Allie's got this. She holds Taylor's close. And Allie, this is her instinct. She says, he was running towards you. And Dylan immediately picks up the ball and runs of it. Because it's like, it's like, cheating so he's he's into that um he's like and taylor was afraid to cover for was afraid for her life and we all saw it he's just down for any murder to cover i guess he's just like yeah. sure i'll go for it yeah it's, it's almost cheating. no prompting at all yeah the others start to like they get how to play this like taylor still looks crazier than a shithouse rat and ava's like you were afraid he was charging at you with something in his hands this is exactly deliciously playing into my uh plans she rushes over to Caitlin. Mona nods, approving this hasty amateur hour lie. Um, it's like, who do you think you are? Cops? And Caitlin's like, Jeremy. And Ava hilariously goes over and uses like a rag to pick up a wooden like one by two and like puts it in Jeremy's hand to make it seem like he had a weapon. <laughs> That's the best detail of the episode. It. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, it's just like, I don't have a drop gun, so I'll just put this yeah, like yeah. stick in his hand. I will never forget doing notes for that episode of PLL and like having to Google what's a drop gun. Oh shit! That opened my eyes about cops real real quick. Caitlin's like, yeah, I've already seen the shield, so I knew. I had seen the shield. I just like I, I guess I just forgot. It's funny to me that PLL taught me yeah. about the brutality of police. So Caitlin's like still boohooing away, shaking Harry Potter's like lifeless body here. Caitlin's like Jeremy, and she leans over and listens to his chest. Ava backs away, and Caitlin's like, "He's alive." 
The others look back like, oh, shit. So Taylor Cox, her gun again. Like She's going to finish what she started. Kane's like, he's alive. And we do another old Hollywood crane shot, pulling away, up, pulling up from Jeremy's body. With Caitlin, as sirens approach in the distance, and intense music takes us to the credits. So, uh, yeah, that was the episode. I, I guess some things happened. I'm just not sure how much they're going to go back on. I... I don't know. Would you be mad if like suddenly that none of them like went to college next season? I, well, I feel like if a season two pickup comes and I honestly, I would have told you on Monday that I was pretty confident there would be one Um, on Friday. I have no idea, but I feel like there's another pivot to come. Like not just like a finale pivot, but like, Going away for a hiatus and retooling pivot. Well, so I, I presumably like, yeah. they're going to have a new showrunner no matter what if it gets right, renewed. Right, right. So, like Marlene will be involved, probably. Quite frankly, name only. It's kind of like how J.J. Abrams produced The Last Jedi, but like he, it's not like he was really super involved in that. You know, it's like his it's name like was after on. after J.J. directed the season three premiere of Lost. Yeah. He had not a single fingerprint on that show. Yeah, like he watched it with the rest of us. Yeah. I I don't know, man. Like, what do you think? I mean, it, it would be hilarious to me if they did kind of write them out of college because that's what happens every single time a show takes characters to college because colleges are really bland and static setting for drama. Um, yeah. I don't know why they would have set the show there, but mm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... It seems like it would be, it would take a lot for like, I don't know, they, they would need leverage on Claire, I guess. I don't know. They'd be like, hey, we'll, we'll rat out your daughter for taking out Jeremy unless he like, let me go back to school and give him my money back or something. But even that, like, I don't know how Caitlin gets out of things with her mom other than, I guess, just like threatening to, you know, rat out her affair. Yeah, like like that's the trump card that she's been holding on to or the writers have been holding on to because it doesn't play like Caitlyn's been holding on to it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like I don't know. I don't know what they're fucking planning for the finale. I mean, I can I can make my guesses based on the title, but I don't necessarily trust that that's what they'll do. I'm worried about what they'll do. Um, and I just look at it like what I would do of season two. Um I mean, I'm I'm waiting to get all ten episodes before I try to think about that. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, like, what do you think? Like, you think a season two is coming? I, I don't know. It is really weird to make them go do upfronts when they might not get renewed. That doesn't seem like good messaging to me if they weren't planning to renew them. Well, even the fucking like, like Andrew pointed out, the fucking bold type thing where they're like fucking talking off a teleprompter and they don't even know it until they read it, that they're going to get renewed. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I, yeah. If that's like not staged. That's really odd. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's bad messaging. Like if they were like, maybe they knew that they were going to cancel the perfectionist. It's not good to go do your upfronts for advertisers and be like in the perfectionist, but like, you know, you're going to cancel them in two weeks or something, you know? Right. Right. I mean, unless they are really, really, really just on the bubble. And it's like, you're like, you know what? We'll give you to the finale. We'll check the ratings on the Hulu shit yeah. there. And I think <sighs> the ratings are, they're pulling like a, a 11, a point eleven, I think. in the 18 to 49, like about 200,000 viewers. They're not great. I think they're better in the bold type, but the bold type probably has more kind of critical juice. I feel like. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and plus better demo. The, yeah. the mine. Well, I mean, like, what was PLL getting at this point? I mean, in uh, their first uh, season. Well, like their season seven. What were they getting? Oh, so way higher than this for sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, PLL definitely did a big dive from like about season five onwards, but like still way higher than this. Mm. But I don't know. That's all. It's it's hard to say because like all TV shows get lower ratings now than they used to just because streaming and, you know, internet and all sorts of other stuff. So, yeah, um, I guess we'll see. Uh, I don't know when if it's a yes, I feel like they should announce before the finale. Seriously, but that's good juice. You'd also think they would have done it at the upfronts. So, so I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for the finale numbers. Here's what I'm saying. I fly in on Friday, Freeform. We record Friday afternoon. Let's have some. Uh, let's have an announcement before that. It'll, it'll depend on how many drinkies we have. You know, Friday afternoon to evening. Well, regardless, uh, we'll be at the Angel City Brewery. Friday, the 24th at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to meet James Taylor. And Marco Sparks, maybe you'll learn something about him. <laughs> it's not real. I'm going to JT Leroyet. I'm going to cast Kristen Stewart as myself. Mm. She's going to show up. It's going to be cool. Anyway, before we go, I wanted to thank uh, a few of the people who left us reviews. Thanks to uh, Teresa22, Kindly Ruthless, and Mugs94. It's insane the amount of reviews we have. We have 451 five-star ratings. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and the number of people who, in some fashion, say, watching the show just for the podcast, <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain to you in a way that doesn't seem fake how much I appreciate that and how weird it is to me. <laughs> I, I kind of understand. I mean, I still listen to a friend of the pod, Caitlin's uh, Riverdale podcast, even though I don't watch the show, so. But I mean, what people have been saying is that they keep watching The Perfectionists just to have a context for whatever we're talking about. That seems so strange to me, and I appreciate it. It's not like you're watching Riverdale to listen to Caitlin. You know what I mean? You're just listening to Caitlin. Sure, sure, sure. I think yeah. I did, like, way back in the day, I watched that Young American show just to read the recaps because they're so funny on Mighty Big TV. That's fair. Um, also, Riverdale. Nigel Wright shows up in the finale. Does he? Yeah, the Hardy Boys were on his track long ago. Oh, that guy shows up? Yeah, Nigel Wright. Really? Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Was Hiram the Gargoyle King? Nope. Wow, shocker. I guess who the other character would have been? Wasn't there some guy named like Edgar Evernever or something? There is a guy named Edgar Evernever from... Uh, um, it's like Chad Michael Wintry. Murray, right? Yeah, from Wintry Hill. Yeah, I'll put it this way. It wasn't a man. Oh, really? Spoiler for Riverdale, by the way. Who watches the show seriously? Um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a male character. All right. Anyway, so yeah, a week from now-ish, we will be uh, live in person. If you live in uh, Los Angeles, whoever actually lives in Los Angeles, and Trouble's coming out, and what else? I think that is just about it. Season finale yeah. next week. Uh, enter the Professor. That is for sure, I believe, a Marlon King joint. Also directed by Norman Buckley. Excited about that. Yeah. Well, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.